0: Welcome to Sabby Sab's podcast on call in. This is episode 93, IRS targets Matt Taibbi. During the Twitter files hearing in Congress, the IRS made a visit to Matt Taibbi's house. The IRS is now targeting Matt Taibbi. Thoughts on government agencies and trustworthiness. Let's go ahead and bring in Karthik. You are first on the mic. Check my volume as well.
1: Hi, Savvy. What's up? Uh, Good evening.
0: Good evening, Karthik. How are
1: you? I'm good. Well, it's always a pleasure to talk to you. Um, And specifically about Matt Tybee, I I had no idea he's being targeted. Like, do you know how, like, are they saying, like, he hasn't paid, like, $10,000 of taxes? Do you know what's up? There has
0: been no explanation given at this point in time. Um, This actually dropped yesterday on Twitter and there was an article um, written about this as well, but Matt Taibbi is basically trying to figure out what was the explanation to begin with. Now, a couple of things were mentioned in the article. One was that they're saying that they rejected his 2018 and his 2021 uh, taxes. Uh, I found the 2018 I found to be very suspect because come on, that's like years ago. And so if they're just now realizing that, to me, that was really weird. So I didn't buy that. Uh, his response in reference to 2020 was that he said that they were rejected back then and then it was resubmitted by his accountant. Um, and then I guess rejected again and then resubmitted again. But again, it's, it's 2023. And it's not even just the fact that the IRS is looking into him. It's the fact that they showed up at his his, uh, house unannounced. The IRS doesn't do these unannounced surprise visits. And it happened while he was at the subcommittee hearing on weaponization in Congress. So it happened at the exact same time. And that's why I'm kind of giving it a side eye, because I actually told people when he released the first Twitter files, I said, protect Matt Taibbi with all costs because these government agencies don't like it when you call out their bullshit and you talk about what they're doing behind the scenes. And here we are.
1: Yeah. Well, thanks. To, yeah. I had no idea this was happening. And um, I'm sure we'd all like to think that the IRS is, you know, working for the people, you know, and they're making sure that the rich pay their taxes or whatever. Um, but um, that's clearly not true. And, and I know that uh, Biden, like, I think it was last year or something. He said, like, he's spending more on the IRS, like, hiring, like, 5,000 more IRS agents or employees or whatever. And I guess that's what they're up to right now.
0: Yeah, they have they have decided to put more money into the IRS. Um, but, you know, usually the IRS is targeting, like, the working class. They're going after those people. Like, okay, yeah,
1: yeah, obvious.
0: you're on Social Security and... All of a sudden you have extra $600. Where'd that extra $600 come from? Like that kind of thing. Usually, uh, they're not as focused, especially like on the billionaires. Like these people have all types of like tax loopholes that they know how to, how to get through and everything. But the fact that they just all of a sudden decided to pay him a visit during that hearing to me is very strange. And, and apparently they left a note saying that they came by.
1: Do you think that the IRS should be defunded, like the FBI and CIA?
0: Oh, God, yes. Listen, like, they don't, the IRS, they don't operate the way that they're supposed to. Like, for example, they let the rich, the wealthy people, these billionaires, and some of these multimillionaires get away with a lot of, like, tax exemptions here. Like, they let them get to the point where they're paying barely, if any, taxes. Meanwhile, if you're working class, they will come after you and say, you owe us this $500. Why did you not pay it? But yeah, you have wealthy people getting all kinds of tax breaks. That's been going on for a long time. And it seems like the only time they really come after them is, them is when they're trying to seize their possessions when they're trying to seize their property. So we've seen this happen with celebrities before, right? Where they come after uh, certain celebrities and say, you haven't paid taxes for such and such years. We're going to seize your property. They came after Wesley Snipes with this same claim. They said, you haven't paid taxes in such and such years. And he actually went to prison uh, because of that. But then some people will make that argument that it seems like even when they come after wealthy people, it seems to only be black people that are wealthy. Meanwhile, you have billionaires like Bill Gates and all of them that are just basically not paying anywhere near what they should be paying in taxes and they don't come after
1: them. Yeah, it's definitely a two tier system and. And uh, may, may, maybe they're coming after him because he's known for doing like uh, a lot of great journalism over the years. Maybe it's more than just the uh, Twitter files.
0: I think it's it's specifically the Twitter files because it happened during the hearing. And I just, I question the timing of it. Like, would they have still been there if he didn't participate in the Twitter files release? Probably not. Uh, they're claiming that Uh, They were concerned that he had identity theft. Now, in cases of like identity theft, that's something they would have addressed early on. People have to understand for those of us that have been filing taxes for so long, you have to have, you know, your credentials in order. If you're trying to go into that IRS website to access your tax report or anything like that. There's a pin number that they give you. You have a password, like all of these things that you have to answer just to get into the site, just to get there. So if they believed that he was uh, experiencing some type of identity theft, especially if we're talking about 2018 taxes, why are they just bringing this up now?
1: Yeah, it's probably punishment for him uh, doing uh, journalism, Um, so in terms of the defunding of IRS like don't you think that there should be like at least some like I guess like agency or whatever to ensure that people are paying taxes
0: but I think the agency should be fair to everyone across the board and they're not like they yeah like they, they heavily target the people who are working class they come after those people instead of coming after the people who are getting away with all different types of tax fraud and and barely paying any taxes and using like these offshore accounts so that they don't have to pay the amount of taxes that they're really supposed to pay. It's just, it's absolutely ridiculous, but they they heavily target those who are working class. And they had even made that statement, I think it was last year that they had announced that they were gonna be looking into accounts that specifically received uh 600, so $600. So like, say you're someone that works like two jobs and all of a sudden, like, you got an extra $600 or whatever. They're going to go after those people instead of yeah. going after billionaires who are getting, like, millions of dollars and some of them from, co- like, corrupt sources.
1: Yeah, there's and- definitely a giant double standard. Um, uh, last thing I want to say before I go is, did you see the interview Marion Williamson did with Glenn Greenwald a few days ago?
0: Yes, I covered that.
1: Oh, uh, so I uh, The foreign policy question, like, on Ukraine. He had to baby her. It was so sad.
0: Yeah. um, We talked about that, that like, I felt like Glenn was trying to, to help her there uh, and to frame it in a way. I will say, I think that her responses have changed a little bit compared to the interview that she had with us at RBN. Um, So maybe she has been listening a little bit in reference to the criticism that she's received about her stances on foreign policy. So maybe that is the case, but I still walked away from that interview with I felt like she was trying to stay on both sides of the aisle. I felt like she was trying to sit on the fence a little bit and not really make a confirmed uh, decision, so to speak. Like when he asked her about giving the money to Ukraine, I feel like she she didn't really directly answer that question. And that's why he kept coming back he had
1: it, like three times, like each time he had to like dumb down the question.
0: Right, like I feel, again, I felt like he was trying to help. Like, look, I I said tonight, because I, I talked about it tonight, like the, the panel that Bree had about Marianne's uh, chances. And I said that I think that if I were a candidate and I would never be one, but I would be focusing on my strengths, the areas where I'm really strong. And I've seen Marianne do a lot of interviews and I don't feel like she's focusing on like, reparations like that is that was her number one thing in 2020 she knows a lot about it i know because i interviewed her specifically about that topic alone two years ago and i feel like she's not focusing on that at all it seems like the focus is just we're in a bad place in this country economically and people need a different option okay but what are you bringing to the table? Like, I felt like she, she's not focusing more so on her platform. And I think that's some of the criticism that, that I have there. And then on the areas where she is not strong, like foreign policy, instead of like pushing back on people, you know, like when she told Nick, don't mansplain to me, instead of that, maybe take that time to work with people who are really well-versed in foreign policy and educate yourself about... The issues that people are bringing up about Ukraine, about Russia, about Israel and Palestine and take it in. Because the thing is, is this like people don't expect a candidate to know everything, to be an expert in everything. But what we do expect is that with the areas where you are weak, we expect you to grow. But I also expect you to understand what you're talking about. And I felt like. She did move a little bit there when she was talking to Glenn, but I also walked away from that interview feeling like she doesn't, she didn't really understand what is going on with those two particular situations. I feel like, okay, they've pushed her a little bit and she's starting to wiggle a little bit and say, okay, well, maybe we should look at it differently. But I still felt like she didn't take a hard, firm stance one way or the other. I felt like she was sitting on the fence
1: yeah and foreign policy like I it was clear before especially after the recent interview with Glenn, it seems like on a lot of foreign policy stuff like she doesn't know Jack shit. she's just gonna try to ramble and mix in her spirituality talk.
0: But if you're running for president, that's one area where you do have to educate yourself about foreign policy because you can act alone. You don't have to necessarily need the approval from Congress. there are there are times that Obama did this actually where he acted alone, where he didn't get that approval from Congress. We've seen Joe Biden do the same thing, so it's like we're talking about different countries and regime change wars and we're talking about these inter these intervention tactics. So we talked about Haiti tonight how Joe Biden's trying to get Justin Trudeau to intervene in Haiti to get Canadian troops there on the ground. Like if you don't know about foreign policy, like you have we have to know how would you respond in those situations? Are you going to send troops into Haiti? Are you going to send troops into to Somalia? Are you going to send troops into these countries? Are you going to allow these things to continue? And so for me, you can't run on vibes, bro.
1: Well, she'll you- definitely be pressured. She seems like she has no guts to send up to the MIC. But in terms of doing the homework, as you know, you we were talking about, how, how does she have time to do homework about foreign policy, talk about reparations when she's too busy citing uh, Winston Churchill and George Washington, all these uh, uh, old c- c- colonial figures, as Nick says?
0: Oh, dear. Listen, I think that some people like just want to be, there's some people who want to be president, but they may, I don't, I feel like they don't understand all the things that go along with that job. And foreign policy is a huge part of the job. And so if you don't, You don't have that concept of foreign policy. If I hear you repeating the same talking points as mainstream media in reference to Russia and Ukraine and in reference to Israel and Palestine, then that tells me that you're not going to be any better than Joe Biden when it comes to foreign policy.
1: Yeah, I'm really looking forward to her saying more that that uh, slave owners had courage and guts. That's what I can't wait to hear more of her say.
0: Oh my god and and then even to that you know to that point, it's like uh, if you say that you are for the two- state solution when it comes to Israel and Palestine, that's the equivalent to saying that you agree with separate but equal, and we all know that separate but equal did not work. So it's yep. just I want people to understand what they're saying and why it matters.
1: Well, I'm sure some people would consider that racist. You know, they would say like, "Oh, you're trying to like uh, uh, erase, uh, sorry, erase the uh, Jewish state, or whatever, or that you know you you, you want to commit a genocide." I, I I've heard all these uh, reasons for why like people say that um, a one-state solution is bad. You know, because because uh, Israel has to uh, be a, uh, a state for Jewish people.
0: It just it, you, you know, a two-state solution is not going to fix the problems because it's not going to be equal when the Palestinians are the minority. There's going to be, you'll see similarities to what you saw here in the United States when we had separate, but equal where, yeah, like white people and black people had similar institutions, but the institutions were not equal. And so that's, that's what you're going to see. I mean, these people, the Palestinian people have basically been, they've been killed and pushed out And so for me, the people who just throw their hands up in the air and they're just kind of like, well, I support a two state solution and that I'm like, no, like these people have almost been if you look at the maps, they've almost been erased and they have a right to be there. And that's the criticism that I have when people say to me, Israel has a right to exist. Okay, you never hear those people say. Palace, the Palestinians have a right to exist. You never hear them say that.
1: Well, if you say that, people will call you a racist or an anti-Semite or uh, pushing for uh, genocide of Jewish people or some other ridiculous thing.
0: But it's never the other way around.
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh, 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 makes no sense. Uh, good talk, Zabi. I'll talk to you Thanks later. Thanks so
0: much. Thank you, Karthik okay miss robin what's up hey sabby how you doing oops oh no i'm sorry noel i'm i was supposed to invite you to speak robin i'm bringing you back up i'm so sorry <laughs> robin i just hit invite to speak and then um okay there you go you just have to unmute robin and then noel you'll be next sorry Yeah, Robin, I think you just have to hit unmute. Robin was probably like, I know she just does not bump me from the call. I think you're still muted. And it doesn't let me make you a caller once you're a speaker. Because and I don't know why that is, but it's it's a thing. Um, okay.
2: He- can you hear me? There you go. <laughs> Hello? I can hear you. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> it's good to talk to you tonight, Savvy.
0: Thank you so much for calling in. What's your take on, uh, <sighs> these government agencies, they coming after Mr. Matt, you know, um, you know, I'm, a,
2: uh, as a libertarian, I got big problems with everything that's going on right now with, with, uh, with how they're treating Matt Taibbi. You know, um, I, it's one of my side hustles is, is doing taxes and everything. And, you know, for a few years, I did taxes for H&R Block. And now, I, you know, I do my little solo thing for a few people here and there and stuff. And first of all, like you said, said for this 2018 taxes, you're only supposed to be able to, uh, the, the IRS is only supposed to go after you for taxes on a particular year from three days, I'm sorry, three years after you, you know, your last filing or after something has been concluded. So if they're still going after him for 2028, I'm sorry, 2018, then it's probably something like maybe he had to amend his taxes uh, a year or two after the fact or something like that. Or, um, you know, maybe he asked for a delay in filing his taxes and then he filed his taxes late or whatever. But typically, once you file your taxes, if they haven't dealt with that thing in three years, they can't come coming back to you. You know about it later on, but even then, like you said, um, it still smells fishy because you know I've we've I've dealt with letters and stuff not only for my clients but also for myself too. I was a victim of uh, tax identity theft, and somebody was claiming all kinds of dependents and everything out of California and had gotten like a six thousand dollar over sixty five almost sixty five hundred dollar return and stuff, and then. The IRS was coming after me. So now every year, like Matt was saying, I get a pin from a, a, a pin from the IRS every year when I file my taxes so that they know that it's really me. And so they're sending you, you know, they send me a letter every year with my pin. And so if they've got an issue with his identity or whatever, I mean, they should they, like he said, they're doing the same thing with him. So why are they sending uh, agents to his door? Uh, just so, on, uh, you know, just so happened on the day that he's supposed to be um, uh, interviewing in front of Congress. What is that
0: about? That's what I question. And I've never heard. I've never heard of this before. The IRS just showing up at your house unannounced unless the only time I've heard of the IRS coming to someone's house is when they're there to seize their property.
2: That, exactly. They're either there to arrest you or to seize your property. Anything else is always done by letter. Always, you know, you we would tell our clients and stuff like that. If somebody calls you on the phone and tells you that they're from the IRS or whatever, you know, we say don't believe them or what, you know, the IRS doesn't call anybody. They always write you letters. And, you know, a lot of times, you know, if it gets really serious, then they'll start writing you certified letters that says, hey, we really mean it, you know, type of deal. But they just but just just coming and knocking on your door saying, oh, well, we were concerned. No, that's not a thing unless they're making it a thing, but it hasn't been a thing, you know? So yeah, that's, that's a big, uh, big problems there, you know? And then with the rejects and stuff like that, you know, again, that stuff should be done by letter. It's always done by letter. It's never done by them just driving up. Oh, we happen to be in the neighborhood. Come on now. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, that's what I thought too. That's why I was just like, this is crazy. And like, Twenty twenty one, I could possibly understand, but twenty eighteen to me that was going too far back for the right. eye and like to say, okay, we're gonna we're questioning uh 2018. I'm like, in twenty twenty three?
2: Yeah, and like I said, if the only reason why they would be able to do that is if he hadn't resolved his 2018 taxes taxes with is, is if he resolved his 2018 taxes within the last three years. And typically that happens is as, as if again You know, uh, if there was some identity identity theft issues that happened with his 2018 taxes that would have been filed in 2019, then they may not have been resolved until 2020. Or if he had asked for um, uh, a delay in filing his taxes, you know, how some people say, well, can I wait until October or something like that or whatever? Uh, uh, Or there may be some other issues where maybe he he did an amended return a year or two later, you know, to adjust his taxes. Uh, And so then that three-year time frame only starts from the last time that that tax return was filed and accepted. So it could be that if if his uh, 2018 taxes were finalized in maybe 2020 or 2021 because of amended returns or something else that was going on, it's still within that three-year period. But if he filed on time and didn't make any changes, then that's totally out of, you know, the realm of of them being involved type of deal. Um, But in, in terms of these agencies, you know how I feel about these alphabet agencies. And the IRS is one of the first ones that we need to defund. And really, the biggest way that we can defund the IRS is, like you said, is to, you know, make it fair across the board one of the two biggest ways to make it fair would either be to do a flat tax where there's no deductions, no this or that or whatever, say, okay, everybody pays 5% or everybody pays, you know, 10%. And that's it, you know, and then that way no one can gain the system. And, you know, now people would still hide what they earn and all of that other kind of stuff or whatever. So, you know, there could be some issues there. Um, But what, you know, That's one way to do it. It's just to have a flat tax of everybody pays that or my what I would prefer actually would be a, I guess, either a value added tax or a consumption tax. One, because I don't think it's IRS's business to know how much you make anyway. And like you said, now they're coming after people that with little Etsy shops and stuff. And now Etsy's got to report to the IRS that you made six hundred dollars you know, selling Houston Astros t-shirts. You know, that's ridiculous, you know, but if you're paying taxes along the way, you know, as you're buying different things or whatever, then that eliminates people being able to cheat on taxes because those taxes are already built into what you're paying. And then not only that, it it would be harder for um, the government to either raise taxes on you Or to increase spending, because if they try to increase spending, oh, we're going to give all this extra money to Ukraine and all this other kind of stuff. Now, when they take taxes out of your paycheck, if you're working for a living, you don't really feel it that much because they've already grabbed their money before it even gets to you. But if they say, oh, we got to raise taxes because we got to defend Ukraine. And then all of a sudden next week, you know, your loaf of bread has gone up 15 cents because of that. Oh, you're going to feel a certain type of way about that, you know, and so I think by, by having more of a con, a consumption tax where everybody, you know, is is paying a flat percentage or whatever, not based on what they earn, but based on what they consume, then that would make the government much more responsive to people and pe- and people in general who don't vote now. Oh, they sure would start voting then you know because that, you know cuz a lot of people they don't feel their you know the income taxes and stuff because like i said it comes directly out of their paycheck before it even hits their bank account but if they feel it at the grocery store if they feel it again at the gas station if they feel it there every time then a whole lot of people are going to start voting and they're going to have a whole lot to say about how their money is being spent by the government and then i think that's a lot fairer way to do it too because there's no way to hide you know, you can hide income, but you can't hide consumption from consumption, you know. So mm-hmm. uh, and then again, that would decrease a lot of the corruption in terms of the lobbying that all of these big corporations would do, um, you know, to try to gain the tax code to benefit themselves and to be a discouragement to competitors or people that come up with, you know, newer technologies and things like that or whatever. They can't bribe you know, congresspeople and senators to bend the tax code to their will, you know, and they would make a much more level playing field. Uh, But unfortunately, the reason why uh, they, you know, it's hard to get that type of fair tax or consumption tax done is because it does benefit the big corporations. It does benefit the, you know, all of these various industrial complexes and things like that. It benefits, you know, people like the, uh, like H&R Block and TurboTax and, and all of that other kind of stuff, you know, um, but I think that that would be if in terms of reducing corruption, uh, 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 reducing all of the stuff that comes out of the IRS tax code or whatever, and make that IRS tax code literally uh, a, a front and back two page, you know, document that would that would eliminate so much corruption in government. It would be un, it would be un, you, you couldn't even imagine. How much better it would be, because, number one, like I said, you know, there wouldn't be all of the lobbyists and stuff trying to trying to game the system. And then, number two, when the government wants to spend a dime and everybody knows that every dime that the uh, government has spent, that the government spends, it's going to hit them in their pocketbook as well. You know, every single person. Oh, people would get very politically
0: active real quick. That's interesting. Noelle, let's let's bring in Noelle. I want to get your take on this as well. Um, Good evening. Uh, yes. Good evening. Some people may look at it, too, and say, oh, what well, was just the IRS that came by? I'm like, no, like it. it, it. <laughs> none of these alphabet late. Like, why are they just stopping by someone's house just showing up like that's that's concerning? And who's to say they're not going to come back and who and else not- is going to show up? And not only that, before
2: before Noel speaks, not only that, those IRS agents that are coming to his house, these these are not the, the, the green eye shade, you know, people or whatever with the calculators that you see in the movies. These are the people with the guns that are coming to knock on your door. Mm. So it's you know, it's it's not your friendly IRS agent. These are people that if you cause a scene, they are there with with handcuffs and and you know pepper spray. <clears throat> And everything to escalate issues as needed.
3: Um, See, I see this thing differently. I do see the IRS coming to his house as illegitimate. And I see it as a warning sign that we can get to you. But this to me raises the additional flags about how he got access to the information, because the one thing we see through Julian Assange and every other body who has attempted to expose what the government structure has been doing um, in an illegitimate way, they get dealt with heavy handed. We see it just today with um, Donzinger. You know, if you're trying to pursue the rule of law do the right thing or leak a story, they come for you. So my concern, and that's why I said there is a difference between people who leak documents to you under a certain amount of duress because they see something going wrong, um, like Chelsea Manning did or Edward Snowden. That's different. If it is the owner of an organization who has legitimate access to the files and they believe something is wrong, they can step out in front of that so that the reporter does not become the scapegoat for what really the owner is doing. If you purchase something and you say, "Uh, this looks stinky, this looks this, you can publicly come forward and say, you know what? I purchased this organization in good faith. It seems like some stuff that's been going on. I am going to organize a team of reporters and give them access to ferret this out, blah, blah, blah. Then you're out front and let them come for you. But if you hide behind the scenes and make the reporter run the risk and walk the gauntlet of the government coming after you, then why protect him? You know, you protect your sources because generally the sources have had to cross some boundaries to get that information out that contradicts maybe their employment contract or agreements. And so you maintain their um, anonymity. But when it is someone who owns it and has legitimate access to it, that's a different thing. And I think you should go out front and make it clear what's going on and what you're authorizing so that people can report. And then they won't have the reporter sitting in front of Congress. They may have you sitting out front, but this situation has put all the risk, you know, and I, and don't get me wrong. I think Matt Tybee would be just fine. Um, But the thing is, they're demonstrating we can come for you and they can come for you with the men in black, the IRS and anybody else at their disposal. We see that they are illegitimate. But I see this as an additional sign that this government, its institutions are daily precipitously losing integrity. And people and losing their credibility and nobody is going to have any faith in the Supreme Court, in the IRS, in the government, in the Senate, in the House, you know. And that's why I believe we really are closer to a collapse um, than anybody understands, because all of these dots are signaling to us that this thing doesn't work.
0: So, Noel, let me let me ask a question. When you say that the owner should come forward instead of having like Matt and and any of the other like journalists take these blows. You're you're referring to, you think Elon should step up.
3: I think he should have because he has legal access to the records. Now, Chelsea Manning, Edward Snowden, and all these other people, they didn't. And so you protect their anonymity to protect them from the corporations or the government coming after them. And as a reporter, you have that right to protect your sources and just report. But when it's the owner, nobody's going to come after you for records that you have legitimate access to. And if you smell a rat, you have every right to come in, people to audit or do whatever, and you can make that public. And then so when the reporters that you have organized to undertake this um, project, they're not seen as leaking or anything like that. They're doing what you have publicly made possible for them to do. So, you know, again, I think it's a legitimate, but it's not something that I'm surprised by because that's the way this government works. They go up. Look at lunch. They go after the they kill the messenger because if you who the source is, they come for you. And that is a fact pattern. So I think well, it's sad, but you know, this it's brings predictable. Up an
0: important point. This brings up an important point that I didn't think about before. I'm going to go ahead and bring in Betsy. Let's, let's bring you in. Um, Is there something to, something to be said about this? Like what Noel just said about the fact that, is there something to be said for the fact that maybe Elon is kind of like hiding in the background and letting the journalists take the blow. So you feel like Elon should step up and take some type of responsibility
4: here? You're asking me, Savvy? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I absolutely think so. Yeah. I mean, I I don't I don't really know what else to say about it. Um, Why do
0: you feel like he's not he's not saying more? Because he really isn't saying anything in reference to these, these Twitter files
4: yeah it's a little weird i'm not totally surprised um i feel like there's been other times that he's just gotten really speechless like i think after the time when he pulled people and asked them if he should step down from twitter and they voted yes and like he just didn't even say anything you know like i i just think he he wants to sort of wash his hands of of all of it and not be the one to you know Take any kind of crap or take the fall for it. He's probably too rich to do that anyway. To take the fall for anything. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, I mean I, I called in for a completely different reason. So um but uh are you still there? Yeah. Oh, okay. Um just want to make sure because sometimes the app is glitchy. Um, yeah, so um, I actually, I, I was late watching the stream, um, so I did miss most of it, but my I have a really good reason for being late, um, which I did reveal on the live chat a little earlier um, before Colin. But for those who missed it, um, so I just had a meeting with Senator Eldridge, um, and I hope everybody here saw Sabby's wonderful interview of Senator Eldridge. He's my state Senator here in Massachusetts. Um, And that was, that was like a month ago, Savvy, I think. So people can look for it. Um,
5: It was like it it was was just yesterday.
4: (laughs) I know, but it was like a month. Like Jamie and I were actually, we talked about it uh, tonight, like super briefly. Um, And, you know, so anyway, I had a meeting with him that I found out, by running into a, a progressive activist friend of mine at uh, Trader Joe's the other day. Where, by the way, Savvy, there are eggs for two ninety nine a dozen. So I know it's still more expensive than it used to be, but it's not $10.
0: Okay, I need to go to Trader Joe's then. Go to Trader Joe's,
4: yeah. <laughs> anyway, I feel like trying to tell you that because I felt bad. But, um, but anyway, we ran into each other and she said, Hey, do you want to come to this meeting? With just a few, few of us, we're going to meet with Jamie and have beers and, um, it's not like publicized anywhere. So I was like, yeah, okay. So I go and it's all women, which is kind of, it's frustrating. And I've been in these meetings before and I can say that like maybe 5% of the time, there'll be like one man there and it's like hey guys don't you don't you care what's going on so we had seven women and jamie eldridge and you know it was actually like a two-hour thing it was only supposed to be an hour so it was like (laughs) twice as long as we got to spend with him on zoom uh like back in february to talk about public banking and it was basically you know I will end on a, on a positive note. I did promise myself that, but it was really, really depressing. I learned some things about the way things work in Massachusetts that I maybe was tangentially aware of, but I didn't think of it in terms of how it applied to the issues that I care about. And, and then some other things I didn't know that I, you know, I found out and, and I guess I'm glad I, I did, but it was really depressing. Um, so i hope roger's on the on the call in. if not uh you he's a know speaker. he's listening to me. he's a speaker well roger so i one of the first questions i asked jamie was what we can do about public banking in terms of maybe getting it scaling it to municipal level um i mentioned boston i mes- mentioned worcester as like two examples and i said well you know i'm in a small you know smaller town but we could have a countywide public bank Middlesex County is the the largest county in the state by population and that's like a million and a half people so you know bigger than than Worcester even and bigger than Boston so I I was like really you know excited about it talked to him about it what we can do to to get this public bank you know actually happening and he reminded me of something that I totally forgot which is called home rule And it's written into the Constitution, I'm pretty sure of that, that the state legislature has actual say over what any city or town can do. And I think I had heard about this law in the context of wanting to change the way a town does elections. So if a town or city votes for ranked choice voting, for example, um, the legislature can just say, no, you can't have that. Um, And they don't pass it. And it's even really mundane things like a town wanting to increase their number of liquor licenses, which, Sabi, you know, we've talked about Boston being a bit of a, you know, puritanical state in, in regards to alcohol. So what happens is they basically just let these petitions pile up. And then maybe nine months later, they might say, okay, that town can have another liquor store. But hell no. They are not going to let any city or town, no matter how many people vote for it, get a public bank. It is not up to the city or town. It is up to the state legislature. And I have to say that when I heard this, and Jamie tells it to you straight, you know, he laughs, he does it with a smile and a beer, but, you know, he knows we want to know the truth. And my heart just broke.
0: Well, why didn't didn't they say that when we had that meeting?
4: Because we were talking about public banking in in the in the sense of a state, more like statewide. I don't think we really talked too much about the municipal, at least from my memory. And of course, we couldn't record it. So, um, you know, it's 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 really shitty. So basically, like the only way that this can happen is if we do a ballot initiative and it passes, and actually the one little bit of good news is jamie said um no it's not entirely true that the legislature can just take a ballot initiative and then like totally monkey around with it to the point where you know it doesn't even resemble what was passed um and so that was good to hear that means you know roger we don't necessarily have to do everything as a constitutional amendment and the other thing is that i learned this, is, this was such a great meeting. I wish I could have recorded it. Uh, but we that's illegal in Massachusetts without uh, the other party consenting. So, But basically, I found out that you only do a constitutional amendment level ballot initiative in Massachusetts if it's amending the Constitution. There's nothing in the Constitution that says anything about a public bank. Therefore, a public bank ballot initiative can only be a regular ballot initiative. It cannot be written, you know, into the constitution Um, because amending a constitutional amendment is not where they're, you know, it's, there's nothing to be changed is the point. Um, So I found that out and just basically that the state legislature has all the power, which I kind of suspected, but they have this power over towns, states and towns and I was so like, okay, that's it. We're going to do a ballot initiative to get rid of this, this, this home rule. He said, nope, can't do it because it's considered part of the rules. Like when they establish rules every session, it's not actually like, it's not written anywhere. It's not a, it's not a law and it's not a, in the constitution. So we cannot change that. So why why can't we just do it as a regular ballot initiative then? um, I'm pretty sure that we can't. And actually some of the other activists had talked to, um, I'm trying to remember which one, Mass Alliance. There are so many groups, but they went, they talked to a group specifically about this. Um, And they said, no dice that that well that group specifically and they have you know lawyers i
0: why not
4: why not Uh, yeah
0: why why, why can't we
4: i don't know i actually don't know the answer to that um and it was basically jamie was seen very cynical and the other thing is that um he's like the medicare for all zero zero chance is passing he basically like was trying to get us to not focus so much on it and to prioritize other items and because it's just not gonna go anywhere and- But the people, the people voted on it. The people like they they ran the surveys. I know I brought that up and he said, he said that, yeah, they support the idea of it. But then when you explain to them that they would be, um, they wouldn't have their current plan and they be like the support starts, starts to drop. I haven't seen that at like the statewide poll for that. I'm actually going to look it up after Colin, but because I want to see for myself, but they're just deathly afraid that if there's a ballot initiative um, and it fails, that basically it's going to set the movement back really far. And, um, you know, he filed the bill. He files it every session. Yeah. It I mean, doesn't... what's the point of it then? What's important it's, to him, like filing it, the bill? I mean, I think because every time he files it, they get more people to sign on in the house, in the house and the Senate. Um, you know, and it's probably my guess I can ask him, but I think it's probably just to keep the discussion of it alive. Um, you know, but it's like, right? It's sort of like, what is the point? And and he was really trying to get us to focus on other things. Um, maybe, well, so for example, a bill was filed by state Senator Rausch, um, who is a, you know, progressive ally of, of, of Jamie's. And she filed a bill to make it legal for teachers or public school teachers to strike in Massachusetts. I, I asked, well, why not all public employees? And he said, I don't know. The bill's just starting with teachers because they, they seem to be the easiest. And Maura Healy already came out against it. And she no just
0: shoot that down?
4: Yeah, well, she came out against it. So, you know, she could veto it. But, yep. you know, I don't I don't really know how much of a chance it has to pass. Um, but yeah, so basically in a nutshell, things are really really bad in Massachusetts and even to the point where if there's a committee um on like whatever XYZ in the state legislature, if the chair of the committee doesn't like the bill, it's not even brought up. So like, even if the rest of the committee is for it, it's all because of who's chair. And basically also everybody is running scared of of Mariano, the house speaker. And so people, we talked about this, both with Jamie and the other, and the activists who were there, that we need like a solid number of them to stand up against him and say, no, you cannot tell me how to vote and you cannot threaten me with it. What they, what they do is the speaker will basically take money away from the district, you know, that was planned. They take away resources from the state legislature. They don't give them the committees they want. They move their office to the basement. And I, you know, I say, yeah, screw them. And like, they, the people should publicize what's going on and we need, yeah, right. And so that was my idea. And then it all comes back to circled back to, um, Ranked choice voting and how how are we going to get these people out who who are making it so toxic? You know because it's pretty much it's the bulk of them. It's not Jamie, but it's it's most of them. Like and and then I also Eric would be very proud. I brought up clean elections and getting money out of politics and how basically the the rest of the stuff is not going to fall into place if we don't get that.
5: Right. And
4: how can we get clean elections like we did back in the late 90s. It was passed here as a BI, Roger. Um, But then in 2002, there was a non-binding ballot initiative and the language was tricky and people were were basically duped into thinking that because of the recession we were in at the time that we couldn't afford publicly funded elections, which would get a lot of the money out of politics. And... Non-binding referendum passed, saying yeah we should get rid of it, and the legislature used that as as you know they're like oh well look the people want want it even though it's non-binding, and so they undid what the what the voters had passed in 1998, and so I'm very interested and I know Eric is as well and I'm hoping Corey and some other folks folks in Mass and you too Savvy would be really interested in connecting with the clean elections folk here. There are probably still some around and seeing yeah. if we can get this going again.
0: Yeah. If you can please uh, email me like their information, mm-hmm. like, yeah, we we definitely need to, because again, I always go back to the money is a big part of the problem. Um, I want to go ahead and bring in Roger. Yeah. Do you so, want to
4: chime in on this? Right. And then I'll end with a positive note. Cause I don't want to be Debbie Downer. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Roger? Oh, Roger, you have to unmute.
6: Oh, I thought. She, there you go. I thought she was gonna say something when she said she's gonna leave with a positive note.
4: No, no, after. No, I will. I, I will before I hang up. And yeah, you go, Roger. Oh, okay. Um,
6: one nothing you said really like surprised me because I see the same thing in my state. Um, yeah, the home rule thing. Some some of them have it and some of them don't um and and those that do it i guess it depends on the issue at at hand so like there's a bill we have called the new york public banking act that would give home rule to municipalities to charter their own um public banks and you know there's majority support for it in the senate and we're 14 short in the assembly We, we call our lowest Lower
0: chamber, the assembly. Mm-hmm.
6: Oh, I think up a little
0: <clears throat> bit, Roger. Sorry.
6: Okay, go so ahead. you said that. Uh, hey, it by law, uh, we can't. Oh, you can't hear me. You know. You can't hear me. Can you hear me? Oh, what was the last thing you heard me say? Um, it just
0: cut out for like a second. I think.
6: Okay, so I guess you. Oh, so um, the uh, the um, what do you call it? Um, oh yeah, yeah. yeah. You're said, talking said about that. home he rule. Said that. Okay, yeah. So, yeah, so I know about home rule, and we have a we have a bill called the New York Public Banking Act that would give home rule to municipalities to start their own public bank. Um, there's more. There's majority support for it in the senate state senate and 14 short in the in the assembly which is the lower chamber there's really no support for a state public bank as of yet um even though the uh the um the senate banking chair has the bill for both um it's, the, trap it's the senate ahead. majority leader that keeps um pulling it from from being voted on in the committee or whatever but um what do you call it so you said that the, the senator said that um uh if if you were to pass the initiative as a law uh that the that that the legis the government the legislature can't do anything um about it it just is
4: correct yet they have authority over what every city and town passes for themselves
6: no, no, no. I mean, um, I, right. You, you, no, that part I understand. I was saying, as far as um, passing it as a statewide initiative law, you said that he said it.
4: It would have you mean. Well, as a bi, are you talking about the bi or the law yeah. itself in the? No,
6: no. See, you can pass a citizen. You can pass a, a CBI as either a, a law or an amendment. So it's it like-
4: but Roger, Roger, it can't be a constitutional amendment for the public bank one because the whole thing with those it it's only to amend the constitution. There is nothing in the constitution about public banks. So there's nothing to amend. So Jamie was very clear that if there's going to be a BI, which is a big if, um, you know, because it, it's we don't know how it we don't know how it pulls for one thing, but like how how to raise the money because the big banks are going to throw so much at it. So, I was thinking, oh, we would go the municipal level. Cuz that'll be, no. you know, that seems no, like a, that. a not in order. But ultimately, if it comes to ray comes to them, Boston wants their own public bank. Worcester wants their own public bank. Middlesex County doesn't matter. They're going to because they have the final say over what every city and town does.
6: So, okay, so I yeah. would challenge I would I would challenge that only because, you know, like I know they're just 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 listen to what I'm saying. Yeah. 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 I know you're cool with him and everything. But me personally, I don't trust politicians. They talk out. Of- <laughs> no their
4: mouth
6: Yeah. And to say, oh, you can't you can't add it as an amendment because it don't already exist. If that was the case, you wouldn't have a constitution at all. There's plenty of things. There are plenty of amendments that didn't exist before there was an amendment you know that's what I mean that's a good point you that know, is so a good point yeah you know I wouldn't I wouldn't really you know like uh, okay you, you you gotta understand who you're talking to you you're talking to a pilot. I know yeah. you're cool yeah, that's what these guys do they get into your you know hey have a drink with us hey you know we selling that chilling at the bar you know what I'm saying we got this personal report that's that's what they do they they work you over you see what I'm saying I'm just saying yeah you,
4: I mean, I mean like me, I'm I'm I would be curious to find out from other people I think the bar for a constitutional bi is very very high Roger and No I
6: know, I know that you know, believe
4: me definitely I understand that
6: right. You know what
2: I mean But yeah
4: but, I think you know I just the point of my call like I mean it's it's I was so excited to focus on something that you know is at a municipal level because I do think that that's where I can make the biggest difference and you know, it gets, I get, I get overwhelmed beyond that, like statewide stuff. But now Mm -hmm. I think that, you know, the statewide is going to have to be the way to go for just about everything here in Massachusetts because of that home rule. So Um, let me, let me me ask a question really quick. Um, Mm -hmm.
0: Some of these towns, so for people who are not aware, some of these towns in Massachusetts have some uh, quirky rules, right? So like, for example, the town of Arlington at one point banned leaf blowers because the neighbors were complaining that leaf blowers were too loud, right? Uh, When I lived in Newton, um, the woman whose house I lived in, the, the city, while she was in Paris, her neighbor who was supposed to be her friend went to city hall and complained that she had too many cars parked outside her house because she used to teach music lessons in her house, right? She was a music instructor, she was a cellist. And she comes back from Paris. Next thing you know, just like that, the city put up a sign on her side of the street that said no parking between such and such hours. Right. (laughs) So you mean to tell me those types of actions were approved by the state
4: legislature? No, 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 no. It's, it's not, it's not those little things. Um, It's, um, I'd have to look at the exact wording, but that's not, yeah, that's a town, that's like a town decision. But when you're talking about the way a town runs elections, um, where, you know, how they, uh, uh, where they put their money, like the town money, cause you know, some of it's coming from the state, um. Those are, you know, and I thought it only had to do with elections because there are certain towns that already voted for ranked choice voting and their petitions aren't going to see the light of day. And then eventually they'll be voted down. Um, And some towns also want to extend municipal voting to like 16 year olds. And it's the same kind of thing. So I always thought, oh, that's where the legislature rules because it's elections. But no. It's actually much wider than that, but it, no, it doesn't include the thing like, uh, you know, getting rid of parked cars or leaf blowers.
5: Okay. Um,
4: but it's it, it is pretty ridiculous because when you think about how much time the our state legislature is already wasting, and then they've got this pile of petitions, and and that's kind of why they don't even deal with it because it's just tedious and it's work, you know. But. Um, you know what i what I'd like to end with is, you know, I always try to find something positive. I mean, first of all, I think that it's good to have the tr- what what I think is the truth and the you know the facts in hand of what Jamie said. And I'm gonna go to other sources and talk to other people and and you know see what they say about that. Um, but I did of the seven people, I only knew two of them. From like previous things and the other five were new and out of those five people i met you know i exchanged contact info with two of them one of whom seems like a really really strong ally with uh public banks and medicare for all and all these other things and we we hit it off really well and i am gonna send her a link to your show zabi and kind of bring her into the fold i i think She's one of those Democrats who I can see is very, very unhappy and with Mm -hmm. the party and is like, I think is the kind of person, you know, I like, that's what I like the most is really like talking to somebody just one-on-one about, okay, what's wrong with the party and why, you know, we can't change it from within and this and that. And I, it's like, I'm excited when I meet somebody who kind of seems like, all right, I think she's open to it. It doesn't mean she's just going to, like, change her voter registration tomorrow, but I think she sees the writing on the wall. So so that was, you know, a positive thing that I could add was, you know, as as sort of dark and somber as this as this meeting was with Jamie, I, where, the, you know, and there were other things I didn't even mention on Colin, but just other things that we talked about that were just equally depressing. Um you know, when you you meet one or two people who you didn't even know existed before, and they could be allies in this fight. I, you know, that's a, that's always a good thing. So, so,
6: so, so here's, here's, here's my thing. Um, I don't, like I said before, um, the ballot initiative process, these politicians hate. (laughs) <laughs> even the ones even the ones you like. Mm-hmm. So cause, they, cause cause they know that it says not necessarily you don't need them, but you don't need them as much. And they want you depending on them. So they're going to talk you down from the ledge. Oh, you can't do it this way. Oh, you can't do it this way. Check this out. Here's the big difference between right activists and left activists right activists would be like yeah that's nice we're gonna do it anyway fuck you Exactly. yeah left activists are like oh you oh you mean to tell me uh the person who has um that does not benefit from us doing it ourselves is telling me that we can't do it this way or that way oh man all right i guess we can't do it then you know what i'm saying like i said do not trust these pilots. I don't care them taking you to dinner, having you know like going out on salsa. We didn't
4: pay, <laughs> we, <laughs> so it wasn't like that. But yes, I know Roger. I totally get what you're saying. The only you know I mean? the caveat that I would say is that um,
5: you I know it's not it just all
4: Jamie's. You know he's a friend of mine because like that doesn't you know, count for anything for you know if somebody doesn't if it isn't in the friendship. But I would say, I would, no, but I would say that um, he himself said for certain issues, right, like public banking probably is one of them, is that the only way we're going to get it in the state is if there's a ballot initiative, because he's saying the support isn't there in the legislature. So he's not like as anti-BI as you might think. Now, there are, I do take issue with the fact that he's afraid to do the medicare for all bi because he thinks mm-hmm. it's gonna fail and its failure would set the movement back um so the movements already set back no one's talking about it <laughs> well yeah i mean i basically told this one other person at the table i was because we were like how can we fix all this how can we get rid of all these horrible legislature le- legislators and it's just comes stand- down i was like well we need a we need a fucking revolution we really do and, so, you know, I don't know what else so, I mean, nonviolent, I would hope, but so, so yeah. also you. So he,
6: he's saying, I mean, think about that trick. He said, you said, all right, then we need to we need to uh have, you know, get rid of home rule. Oh, but home rule is not written down anywhere. I was like, what? All right. Well, we'll write it down and say no home rule. <laughs> to write <laughs> and say no more home rules since you don't got it written down you, you know like you, have, <laughs> you gotta use your imagination i'm not saying you you know like you, you know like not like putting you down like oh you know No, no, no that i man. know
4: i know what you're saying but you I got know. to be creative
6: you see what i'm saying you 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 can't you gotta you know what bruce lee said you gotta be like water you can't be like a rock A water takes many forms they come at you with this you come at them with that you know what i'm saying? So. Oh oh, it's not written down anywhere. Okay, fine. We'll we'll write it down and say no home <laughs> rule. You know what I mean? And oh, uh, an amendment. Well, you can't amend anything because something has to exist before it it before you can amend it. Okay, so that means we have
4: no constitution then since it's full of amendments That's
7: <laughs> the amendment first Roger, existed. I wish
4: you had been there at the meeting. <laughs> next next time I'll put you on speakerphone. <laughs> yeah, I mean
0: this is this is all like you know, good to, good to hear. Um So we know like what they're thinking and where they're, they're at. Um, But I think that, I think it might be good for us to talk to people that have run some of these other ballot initiatives. So we can find out how much work they had to put in and how they were able to get these, get these.
6: Always know that the politicians always want you dependent upon them. So when you start looking at that cliff over there, that says, jump off the cliff of the battle initiative they are always going to try to talk you away from it and i'm not saying you know so just think about that even they may not mean it some might do it explicitly some might do it implicitly some will do it consciously some will do it unconsciously so just you know think about that
4: yeah anyways great great chatting and great show as always Abby. and we'll uh you know we'll keep talking about all this the stuff you. what we can do
0: to fix things here. Awesome. Thank you so much, Betsy. Thanks. All right. I want to bring in uh, Joe. You are on the mic. You just have to hit the unmute. There you go.
8: Hey, how is everything going?
0: It's going great. How are you?
8: I'm doing well. Um, No need to divulge too much, but the uh, letter I sent you, you think that's enough for you to run with something or other, some angle? I don't know.
0: Which which letter? I, I've I've received a couple in the past oh, couple of days. The one from McGovern. <laughs> oh yes. Oh, yeah.
8: um, I, I, I mean,
0: think, I think I think so. I think it's a start.
8: All right, excellent. I, I that's what I was hoping to get you. Um, so. Onto the main topic with the IRS, it's it's just clearly bullshit intimidation. It really is. Um, like, and what what sounds really unsettling. I want to like double check on the timeline of it all, but so it sounds like somebody visited his home while he was testifying. Yes. Okay. You know, presumably his family was there. And
0: I don't know. They, they mean, So them,
8: that's like, they that's
0: a note. So I don't know if they were there or not, but I don't know. They Re- left know.
8: Yeah. Regardless, that's really just sinister. Like, ugh, <laughs> it's, I don't, I don't really have much more to add to that, but um, real quick, when you and I met at worker strike back, I briefly had mentioned uh, city councilor to Nguyen in Worcester and their fight for inclusionary zoning. And like they are just, the knives seem to be out for them now. And like, there are little smear articles being run in local art, uh, papers and so forth like that. Um, so I don't know. It's just, really disheartening to see that. Um, But
0: that that doesn't surprise me. Like these kinds of things are going to happen, right? These kinds of things are going to happen, but we can't let that stop us from trying to, to do what we're doing. Like anytime you come out against like corporate or the establishment, like they're going to try to smear you in any way, shape or form. And I just think that we just have to keep that in mind, but don't let that deter you from, from what you're trying to
8: accomplish. No, absolutely not. And just, you know, by virtue of that, I do hope to put a little bit more spotlight, just maybe even tangentially on that issue um, with what that council person's doing because, like, it sounds like it rhymes pretty, pretty well up through all the other echelons of government. So we really need to, like, be supporting of the people who are like fighting the decent fight, I guess. I don't know. It's just, it's been a confusing time. I think for all of us, some of us are suddenly agreeing with Tucker Carlson and it's (laughs) kind of broken our brains. So like, eh. anyways, uh, I think I'll leave it with that.
6: Are we agreeing with Tucker Carlson or is Tucker Carlson agreeing with us?
8: You know, that is an excellent, excellent perspective on it, Roger.
6: That's, that's an interesting point.
0: The, That's see, a,
8: you're
6: this, right. This is
0: exactly what I'm talking catching up about. To us. He's
8: catching up to always,
6: us. The left is always looking at the glass half empty. The right is always looking at the glass half full.
8: No, that is an excellent point. We need to shift the perspective. He's finally caught up to us. Good for him.
0: There you go. <laughs> That's a good point. Very good points there. Okay, let's go ahead and bring in... Um, Ashura, thank you so much, Joe. Ashura, you are on the mic. Just have to unmute. What is your take on all of this, my Canadian friend?
9: Uh, just call me your Haitian friend. <laughs> <laughs> after, what happened, after what happened last week, uh, I don't know if I might have. I'm, I don't know if I might have a country left. Mmm. Let it all out, Ashura. Uh, it's not the topic. <laughs> uh, I thought about what Noelle was saying. She, I almost basically jumped the the deep end when Noelle started talking about Matt Taibbi. You know that one scene in She-Hulk, the guy that jumped out of the window? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I wanted to be that guy, and at the last minute, Noelle just grabbed me back So wait, 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 that's not what I meant. Because I had to completely listen to what she was saying, completely. Yeah, I agree. Elon, not Elon. Uh, what's his name again? Elon. Elon, basically, yeah, he could have come out because this is his property. I don't know why he has to. He has to basically use Matt Taibbi, and Matt Taibbi has to protect him. But it's his property. It's not like this is a big secret. It's not like he got stolen goods. This was goods basically that Elon had. It, I don't see Elon. Basically, bitching on Twitter. So, oh my God, Matt Taibbi has my shit and he's exposing it.
0: Well, okay. So, do you think that, um, I want to frame this. Do you think that Elon has kind of let basically let them take the blows?
9: Yeah. I mean, he's right. Like, it's his shit. He owns the company, he bought it. Like, why is he letting Taibbi take the fucking uh, blow? I mean, why didn't he come out after they they came after Taibi?
0: That's a good question. I, honestly, I can't, I can't refute, refute that. To be honest with you,
9: I mean, if I gave you something and people came after you, I would have basically got on Twitter and basically said, "No, I give it to her." So it's not like he's working; she's working for me. I gave her the information. I,
0: I, it's not yeah. like. We well, we don't know. know. I, I just want to be clear here. We don't know that Elon gave him any information. We don't know that.
9: Mm, I'm pretty sure it's Elon. Could, Elon. Elon may have given it to a third person, a second person. Well, another person and gave it to him because he said he got a call or an email and they said, would you want to basically work on this? I mean- Yeah, more- but
0: that, is, that doesn't mean that like the documents- that Matt and the other journalists produced they found those documents it sounds like like from the process that like Matt told me they sound they found those documents along the way by searching for certain topics in these systems that they have. Uh, apparently there's multiple systems but by searching for them and that's how they were able to find
9: some of those emails etc. Yeah, but someone gave them the access.
0: Well, giving them access to a system and giving them the the documentation are two different things.
10: Mm-hmm. We,
0: we just want to be careful.
3: But we here's say the thing. If you own the company and you see all this brouhaha being created about documents that have come from your organization, if you weren't giving some type of tacit approval, wouldn't you come out and say, hold on, what's this? What's going on? I didn't authorize this. I didn't. You just somewhere in the background and you're not saying a mumbling word one way or the other. So, you know,
0: but this is why, like when Matt was on, this is why I did ask Matt. I said, do you think that at some point they're going to ask Elon Musk to come to testify? Because it's his company. He owns it. Yeah. Granted, these things didn't happen when he owned the company. They happened before. But still, it's it's his company, you know?
9: Yeah, because I don't see Elon Elon was bitching about it. In fact, he he was pro that shit on Twitter. He was, like, clapping for it. Right. And Elon's not going... It's not like they're going to kill Elon. I mean, you, you both know Elon works with Google. He works with the government. So and, Elon tends to kill liberals
3: online. And if I am not mistaken one of the caveats to the whole project was that the information or the output had to be released on Twitter. Yeah. Right. So somebody gave him or gave them those type of rules to follow.
0: Yeah. I mean, but it, it just, we just want to be careful about like saying who someone's source is, you know, we want to be careful about that. Yeah. Who gave you access
9: to those emails? (laughs) (laughs) oh that's a funny meme though (laughs) like she doesn't have a seat the senator doesn't have a seat she's in some colony and basically she thinks that because she sits there she's important and she was on the phone (laughs) and Taibi basically struck her really hard across the face like I'm a basically Pulitzer I own like I got three awards and then when she started saying that he's like oh shit let me look at my phone Mm. Well, I, I think
0: I don't know. Like I, I just, you know, this is one of the, you know, the alphabet letter agencies, and they have made an appearance apparently. And it's just, I, I don't know, man.
9: I mean, it's fucking weird that on the day he's going to Congress, one fucking shows up. Yeah. I mean, why didn't just some like a family member just text him right before he went in to hey? IRS came in. He could have basically thrown that in there, make the Democrats look really bad because it's the Democrats in power, not the Republicans.
0: Also, how do we know that they are who they said they were? You know, like what if? I don't know. I I just know like a lot like history wise. I mean,
9: some Capitol of these Police agency. to some guy. That was, uh, yeah, but uh, I would be surprised if they did do it. I mean, AOC sent Capitol Police to some guy that basically called her her out on Twitter. You got Harkin Jeffries got old Jose fired and then basically had the police on his door.
0: Yeah. No, you're right. I mean, I I think. I don't know, man. I don't know. I I just it's scary.
9: Yeah. And uh, about that thing, you you, you were talking about Haiti with that guy in there. I kind of laughed every time he tried to say "capaistian," but he he kept saying it like it's, in femi- like it's a, f- a feminine word. I'm like I I, I couldn't stop laughing. Uh, what, the, the, I saw you read my comment about, uh, you know, Aristide being a better Black Bernie.
7: Yeah.
9: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he is very popular. I mean, I didn't know priests can get married. <laughs> i thought priests basically they stay uh virgins or something but he did get married when he became president he basically was the one that introduced a uh, alphabet alphabetization group uh, uh organization to basically teach uh haitians who don't have like who are poor to basically learn how to read read and write in creole and his party the lava last party was a big big party up until, I think, Rene Preval, basically, he took over and then I think he he, he died afterwards. But uh, I think it's been Wayne, a bit. he basically needs to come back or something because I, I, I find it funny that a guy who has a university or some college after him is having all these people coming out and somehow they're still trashing him.
0: Right. And I mean, like, I, I have to say, like, in reference to uh, the, the Haiti discussion, I think that Haiti Info Projects, if you guys don't follow them on Twitter, I highly recommend that you follow them because they have video footage. They have, you know, articles come out that oftentimes, and you notice like when I asked him, like I told him about the reporting that Dan Cohen has done in reference to barbecue, et cetera. Yeah. You know, it, it's, it's pretty obvious. He doesn't agree with Dan Cohen. Yeah, I was, I was like, I was
9: going to mention that. I was like, I watched Dan Cohen's thing. And then I was like, well, have he talked to Dan Cohen? There was one part of where he said that uh, I think either it was in Haiti would say it was say was happening in, in the United States where he said people were lining up to basically get passports and visas and and to the point where a lot of people were just raping women there. I'm like I, I was like fucking skeptical when he fucking said that. I'm like really a group of people are going to let a bunch of women, Haitian women get raped. I mean well, maybe, maybe the word rape what he it wasn't what he tried to say maybe he groped but rape. Right? I mean, come on. Like, what kind of group is going to like a group of women get raped and everybody just watch?
0: Um, Well, that's happened in India a couple of times. There's been stories about that. I mean, um, I, mean I-, I think that the reason why, like, I-, I want you guys to hear different voices when it comes to, especially, like, uh, foreign policy, I want you to hear different voices because I already knew, like, before I invited him to come on, because I follow both of them, uh, Dan Cohen and Haiti Info Projects, I already knew they had a difference of opinion when it comes to uh, barbecues role in Haiti. Yeah. But I think it's it's important that you guys hear from both because some people agree with what Dan Cohen's saying. And some people agree with what Haiti info uh, project is saying, and what Kevin Pina is saying uh, about uh, barbecue. So I think that you need to hear both sides. Um, and I, I do, I will admit like it's been very difficult because uh, my first search when i was trying to get an expert to come on to talk about haiti was haitian experts like that was my first like search and it is very difficult to get someone who actually is haitian to come on it's been very very difficult so i ended up finding like uh dan cohen and um also dan cohen's like a big uh act- anti-war activist too and uh, Haiti Info Project, like there's other people that talk about it, but it seems like outside of people who are already Haitian, it seems like most people who are focusing on it are people who are, just happen to be white men. And so I know, because people have contacted me before and they're like, why don't you bring on someone who's Haitian to talk? I've tried. I've tried multiple times. You know any? Yes, I do. They just don't respond.
9: Also like uh, like Democrats. So that's probably why i don't know maybe that's why i don't know if they're necessarily democrats per se
0: i mean i reached out to um i reached out to um oh shit i forgot his name maybe that's why he did not want to come on oh i remember uh, i'm sorry pascal i reached out to uh pascal from this is revolution they've been on before uh about over a year ago we didn't talk about this though we talked about. um i I didn't mind hearing not you. the Democratic okay. Party, but I, I I invited him because he's really um really, really uh, an expert when it comes to uh, Haitian politics. Like he's written books about it. He's been on multiple podcasts to talk about the history of Haiti. And that's really where I wanted to start with. I wanted to start with the history of Haiti so people understand why Haiti is in the position that it's in now. But I had to look up the history for myself, so I just like, but um, but yeah, like I've I've tried, but like I said, like I didn't hear nothing from them, from these people, so
9: I didn't mind what he had to say, but it's just a couple of things he said it was like make my make my eyes roll when you said that part about the women getting raped thing, because I know you said India, but in Haiti, you, you're, there's no one that's gonna stand by just let a woman get raped. I'm just telling you, like they would basically grab rocks and throw at you instead of let you rape a woman.
0: Yeah, I mean, Dan Cohen said that same thing, too, actually, when he was on. So
9: they were, they were they were raping women in lines.
0: I don't know if it was necessarily in lines. I have to go back and watch the interview. But he did. He did talk about that. OK. Yeah.
9: Yeah. And uh, what was I going to talk about? Oh, yeah. I I saw the uh, interview that uh, Nick had with Nico House. And uh, they were talking about Jackson Hinkle and uh he brought up he brought up something that was brought up on your show a couple of maybe a month ago about that socialist guy that came on (laughs) calling
10: jackson
9: hinkle a nazi yeah that the beef that nico has with um jackson hinkle is that nico said in the interview with nick that he had a couple of uh, conservative friends and jackson hinkle saw that shit and he called him a nazi Jackson Hinkle called Nico a Nazi. Yeah, and I was like, wait, uh, wait, why why is he calling him a Nazi? I mean, I thought you're supposed to be careful throwing that word around. Yeah, you definitely have to be. Yeah, and but it seems to me when you when you said that uh, in YouTube, when YouTube only accept like these white people in the YouTube space, they get more people to watch them. They don't want to see like black people talk. And I'm like, wait, for a white guy like Jackson Hinkle can throw the word Nazi at 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 Nico. I mean, it, it seems like there's a little bit of privilege there and he didn't he didn't apologize whatsoever. I mean, even Nico basically told people to go to the uh, rally, uh, Rage, the Ma- Rage, the Ma- Rage Against the Machine rally. That was a Jackson Hinkle idea.
0: Yeah, um, I, I actually, I'm going to try to get Nico to come back on to talk about that DNC fraud lawsuit because I feel like, um, you know, Nico was the one who broke that story, even though other people try to take credit for it. Nico was the one who broke that story and I think people need to hear that again because I think, you know, some people didn't know this is when Nico was first starting out. So some, a lot of people didn't know who he was yet, but I think we need to revisit that DNC fraud lawsuit story again, because people need to understand like how the democratic party is able to move the way that they move. And so I'll reach back out to him, invite him on for that. because that's been something I've been meaning to do. He's on my list of uh, invites, but that's really interesting. I didn't know that Jackson Hinkle had done that. I mean, I try not to get involved in these, 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 like the, the podcaster beef stuff. I try not to get involved in that stuff. Like really, that's another reason why I'm really not a big fan of Twitter. I'm really not like I, (laughs) I use like, honestly, I'll be honest with you. I think like, if I didn't have the show, I probably would not be on Twitter anymore. Just keeping it real because YouTube suppresses the hell out of us. So. Twitter has kind of been our way to like, get our message out there to promote like our, our shows and stuff like that. But other than that, I wouldn't even be on it. It's just it's it you know, it's, it's really sad. Like I said, like, there's a lot of infighting, like on the left. And I just feel like that's why we don't really get anywhere. Like, uh-huh. I don't see with the, ex- with the exception of what happened a couple of weeks ago, I don't see uh, Ben Shapiro and Candace Owens and Dave Rubin calling each other names back and forth and cussing each other out on Twitter, with the exception of what happened a couple of weeks ago. And even then, Candace Owens said, you could just text me instead
9: of putting this on social media. Yeah. Uh, uh, did, did you talk about the Anna Gasparian shit?
0: No, because it was a waste of time. Oh, okay.
9: Because I, I, I found it curious that basically she can have her fucking opinion and people go after Jimmy Dwayne if he says a fucking opinion about it.
0: Well, no, people went after her too. I saw Humanist Report went after her.
9: Yeah, they're called the Young Turks.
0: Yeah, it's just, it it. I mean, I didn't even cover that story because I feel like Anna's doing this for attention. Like every couple of months, she'll say something that's a little kind of out there to be a part of the left. And I feel like she's doing that to give TYT more attention and it works every time. Like just like a couple months ago when she said she was done with the squad and she made that big old rant and stuff like that. Again, I felt like that was just for attention. I think, I think TYT realizes that people are, some of their, their viewers may not be so fond of this strategy anymore and they're starting to look elsewhere. Yeah. I also think that they realize that breaking points could be competition for them even though they don't have as many as subscribers as TYT does, they're giving people a different angle and a different perspective. Um, so I think that's the thing too. and I, I think Annis is doing this to get get TYT attention. That's why I didn't even cover it. I was like, I don't want really to talk about this fucking woman.
9: I don't, I don't think Breaking Ford's is going to pass them anytime soon. Uh, even with the uh, Kyle Kulinski reaching a million subs. I mean, that, that shit like was, was fucking disgusting. Like, uh, I, I saw the dude dissidents video that you put up. I already saw it, but these guys basically break down videos masterfully to the point where they, they caught Kyle just lying on that video. Cause <laughs> they said he, he could have basically brought up the, 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 the article itself, but. You, you saw what he was trying to do When it came to the Anikasparian thing So he basically knew what he was doing He's doing smear tactics by mainstream media And anyone he wants to say he's not mainstream media
0: Right Well I mean I used to do See the thing is like Last year probably earlier last year Like I used to do that Like I used to I stopped focusing on like I stopped doing Videos about Kyle Kalinske And, and oh, all that I kind of stuff I stopped doing that because I just feel like it's like These people have already shown me who they are. I know who they are. I think you guys know who they are. And for me, it's just like, I don't pay attention to them anymore. Except tonight, I showed that clip tonight because I was trying to prove a point about how the reason why some people are not taking Mary Ann's campaign seriously is because one of the main pushers of the campaign use the same rhetoric that mainstream media is using to smear her now use that same rhetoric when she ran in 2020 so i'm just supposed to believe that all of a sudden he just did this 180 and is like is totally like believes that Mary Ann can win i don't buy it bro i don't buy it
9: Kyle kokolinski will follow whatever gives him fucking subs if you have to if he has to throw jimmy Dore under the bus he'll fucking do it uh even for mary ann that's like fucking ridiculous like he, he know he doesn't believe any fucking thing he said Like, even Crystal Ball, did you see the clip where he basically called Crystal Ball an idiot? And now he's dating the rich millionaire idiot.
0: Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, I remember seeing that stuff. I mean, for some, it just, you know, look, the thing is, is this, like, if you just want to be a media personality and you just want to do show, then just say that. But... Don't even try to pretend like Marianne Williamson is as popular as Bernie Sanders because she's not and don't even try to pretend like she can garner that same amount of support. Half of the Bernie base don't even want Marianne.
9: Yeah, well, the the, the Sam Cedars don't want her. Leftist Mafia doesn't want her.
0: No, no. And that's a big and, and what? So the left, leftist Mafia they're like, Humanist Report and David Dole, are they part of the TYT
9: Network? Yeah, they're they're in that circle. They're, they're in that planet sphere. I'm trying to tell you guys. No, t- even TYT was like, uh, when they showed the clip, I saw he was like, and I was trying to get Marianne to say, "Hey, would you like to promote that you're you're you're, you're running for office here first on TYT?" She didn't want to say it, and you could tell by both of them they were not feeling Marianne whatsoever.
0: No, <laughs> they weren't. They weren't feeling that interview. I, it was pretty obvious, and I think that let's just be real.
9: Marianne's not a good griff for them, and Bernie was a good griff I mean,
0: right? He, like, if a if that candidate for president, if they don't get the stamp of appeal, and not stamp of appeal, if they don't get the seal of approval from T Y T, then majority support's not going to go along with it. Human yeah. support's not going to go along with it, and that candidate has no chance—at least not on the left.
9: Well, I think Marianne basically she'll probably be able to be to, able to run on twenty twenty eight. I mean, that, that's a safe bet.
0: Oh, no, man. I, I just think I've talked, I've spoken. I know some people are like, well, yeah, once I talk to her, like, I feel different. Like, yeah, but like, like I said tonight on the stream, guys, anytime you have to try so hard to convince people who are progressives to support Marianne, you have to sit back and ask yourself why do you have to try so hard you didn't have to try that hard with bernie so that lets you know people not feeling this you know
9: yeah they're not feeling the uh brianna then lastly brianna george gray uh is she finally seeing the light on marianne or she she likes to play both sides sometimes when i see her when it comes to this uh-
3: I don't think it's that Brianna doesn't see the reality of what's going on. I think she's trying to preserve some type of journalistic integrity and appear to be unbiased as she presents this information. But here's the issue. You know, without regards to whatever Marianne Williamson's message is, a lot of people on the left understand that there is a structural impediment to anybody challenging this sitting president. So you could have like, you know, you could be Jesus Christ, but if these people who are controlling the DNC and the party apparatus have said no, and they have the major media outlets in their pocket, as we know, we understand that that's a structural impediment so what good is it to do and marianne says um she's running for president but what she's really running for is the democratic nomination and if you are not willing to draw the hard comparisons between yourself and the sitting president and and razor sharp those differences and differentiate your campaign and what you offer from him, you're not going to get to run for president. There is serious angst out in, you know, middle America on both sides that she can tap into, but you cannot do do that running in Joe Biden's shadow. And Serious issues of the day you're trying to find alignment with him because you don't want to. That's not a strategy that's going to get you anywhere. And people who understand who have dialed in and understand this process, understand that her campaign and anybody else's running against Joe Biden or it could have been Kamala Harris, whoever the sitting Democratic president was absolutely has no chance to get that nomination. So why waste time and money? If she was running as a third party candidate, it would be something to look at, something to consider, something to talk about. Because again, there would not be the structural impediment that the DNC and the superdelegates represent. And so it's you know, like I say, with all due respect, to whatever her platform is or whatever she wants to talk about, yada yada yada, we've heard it all before with Bernie Sanders. And at most, she would end, and she has not come out forcefully and said, "I will not just endorse based on being a candidate in for the Democratic nomination until you." set those parameters and make it clear that you're not going to be the sheepdog. at the end of the day. You know, you can't double speak this. We've been through it. And she
9: already said that she would, she would basically bend the knee to Joe Biden.
3: <laughs> that he's said so, that her,
9: that's her job.
0: Well, I'll, I would just say, I, again, I don't feel like she's focusing on her strengths. Like her number one issue when she ran in 2020 was reparations. Now I've seen her do multiple interviews And we brought it up when me and Nick interviewed her, but she kind of didn't answer my question. I said, is that going to be your number one issue this time? And she talked about how she can convince people about reparations, but she didn't answer that question about whether or not it's going to be her number one issue. And I think she's not focusing on her strengths. And that's a big part of the problem. Bernie Sanders knew where he was strong and he knew where he was weak. And Bernie Sanders focused focused on his strengths. And that's how he was able to build such a base because he knew like Medicare for all, like this is my jam. Like that's my thing. I asked you guys tonight in the audience, I said, if you close your eyes and I say, Marianne Williamson, what's the first thing that comes to your mind? There was nothing but negative comments in the chat from you guys in reference to what's the first thing that comes to your mind when Bernie Sanders was running Someone asked me that same question and I said, Medicare for all, I didn't even have to think about it.
9: Yeah. That's what he was known for. And uh, uh, here's the what's thing. The update on-
3: even if she was to articulate strengths, her strengths are not going to match what Bernie Sanders strengths were at the time. And he couldn't get past the structural impediment. So even if she played to, her strengths in terms of what her issues and policy standings are, which are few, she still would not have a chance in that democratic process. So, you know, whether it it doesn't matter what she plays to, she could play to the greatest strengths of all, but the DNC and the superdelegates are not going to allow her to wreck Joe Biden's coronation, which is looking like, and so unless she has some insight that he gonna drop dead before the thing <laughs> happens, she is wasting everybody's time. What she should be doing is getting in line with some say, want and everybody else and trying to build out some type of third, truly outside strategy.
5: That's it. Strategy.
0: Right, because if she was serious, it's about challenging power, right? If she was serious about challenging power, she would be trying to partner up with someone like shama sawant and workers fight right back and fight for the workers if it was about challenging this corrupt economic system that she's speaking to that's what she would be doing not running for president when she knows like noel said at the end of the day the dnc has the final word so um, it it just it like what, what 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 do they expect brie asked them on the panel tonight what does she say on the panel what is the strategy? What did they say? Carlos basically said to do the same thing we did with Bernie. Bernie couldn't get there. So why are you going to do the same thing?
9: Yeah, Carlos was a what the fuck for me. Like when he started that sentence, I am the first Latino gay. I'm like, oh God, please. Yeah, the first of everything. We've heard that one before. And I'll end it with this. What's the update on the Trump arrest that that people were so propping up so much that they were making memes that Donald Trump's going to get arrested and they postponed that shit and with the africans saying they will not arrest putin with that i'm just ending
0: yeah i haven't heard any update about the arrest other than the fact that obviously he has not been arrested yet that's why i actually didn't cover that story when he said he expects to be arrested i was like i'll cover the story when he actually gets arrested (laughs) go ahead roger and i'll bring in johnny yeah
6: yeah um i forgot i forgot to mention about um Oh yeah yeah about the taxes thing again um the the thing is you know we have to remind ourselves is that and we have to continually say this when it comes to when it comes to paying for things the federal government doesn't need to tax to do it most of the times they pay for things by legislating new money into existence you know what i'm saying so like the, the the tax you you use as a regulation or whatever the case is if you want to tamp down on like specu- speculative activity or whatever the case is but um you know just just like um you know Dr. Kabu said you let, you know you just oh but also if you, the thing with the IRS would require a constitutional amendment to repeal the 16th amendment because it's not just you know like oh you know it's it's you know to defund it because if it's in the constitution it has to be funded you know just like the post office is in, is in the constitution and you know it, it's supposed to be funded it should be funded but if if you want to get rid of it you have to you know like repeal the 16th amendment that that you know that with, which brought the IRS into existence um, but i think a, a flat tax um, a flat tax usually hurts uh, uh, more poor people than it does mm-hmm. and it does um, 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 rich people um I mean we hear it from from JB all the time you know, people like JB you know what I'm saying because it you know because the rich people they could pay for pay for that flat tax with no problem the thing is it's it's the simple fact this was all designed to make everybody team up. You know, like, I know it sounds weird, like, oh, he's advocating for the IRS or whatever, but I just want people to, those who didn't want the IRS, to me, this was all a plan to make everybody hate it. And the way they did it is, you know, because the Supreme Court had said, hey, you know, money is speech and corporations are people or whatever, and you could donate and, and spend as much corporate money as you want. It was the money that said, "Okay," that told the politicians, "We don't want you um, coming after us with the IRS." So turn them loose on, on the poor people, on the working people, uh, or whatever the case is. It would be much fairer, much fairer system if we, if you know, if we get you know, if we do the constitutional amendment to say uh, that gives the government the authority to regulate um, to, to, to to regulate money in elections. And to say that the um, and that it's not money is not protected by the First Amendment and that it's a utility and start having these attorney generals start revoking corporate charters. So this way, there'll be nothing for for um, the Supreme Court to protect because we took away what it was protecting, you know, and having them reissue out cooperative charters. You know, so that's a good
0: point. What's going on, Johnny? What's your take on Uh, all this?
11: Hi Savvy. Uh, yeah i'd like to respond to Betsy's remark about revolution Joe's remark about confusion and uh Robin i believe she uh said that she was a libertarian uh I, and i'll i want to tie that into the topic of the night and that is uh tar, uh the IRS targets uh Matt Taibbi uh Roger i agree with a lot of what you're saying there uh, i always like to preface my uh, my contribution to the conversation uh by recommending two very important videos that'll help joe this is for joe uh, the first is a five-part series called this is neoliberalism on youtube and i also want to add uh dr stephanie kelton's lecture uh presidential lectures and this falls along with what uh, roger was saying understanding modern money theory uh, now, uh, to Betsy's remark about revolution, um, I think that we, we undermine our arguments when we're not careful about the language that we're using. And let me, let me give you an illustration of that. Uh, the, when, we, when, when we ask ourselves, the IRS, the government agency, right, targets Matt Taidi and we all know we all agree that this is intimidation right but yet when we talk about it we say it's the government right and I think that what we should say instead is to be true a more specific and say to ourselves because we all agree that the 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 oligarchs and the neoliberals who have power and money have captured the state uh this is by Bill Mitchell Dr. Bill Mitchell and. uh the 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 re- reclaiming the state in his book. He talks about how it was in the neoliberal era that they captured the state for themselves and has taken it from us. So when we argue, when we talk about this, we say the government and when you look at the neoliberal agenda, the neoliberal's an idea of the utopian world, the right world, the market rules and they try to tear down national laws and uh break up, you know, so that they can all just have one big area where they can profit from, right? So they don't like governments. They don't like government regulations, right? What they So when we say the government is doing this, the government is doing that, we're really doing their work for them. Because when we talk about these things, we're always in the back of everybody's mind. The government sucks. The government sucks. But yet when we understand modern monetary theory, what Roger was talking about, the, the understanding that uh, the federal government has the ability to do what states can, or local governments cannot do and this goes to Betsy's uh understanding of banking right and public banking and revolution uh and and, and medicare for all i think our argument should be more focused on macroeconomics instead of local although not to say that. We can't do a lot of good by being active in our local communities, in our local governments, even our state legislatures. But what really, really will make a difference is understanding modern monetary theory and the fact that our fiscal policy, not monetary policy, can make the difference, the huge difference that could change the society. And uh, I want to also say one thing about uh, Bernie Sanders. I can't tell you how really excited I got. When I found out that Bernie Sanders chose Dr. Stephanie Kelton, who's one of the leading academics on modern monetary theory, as his uh, economic advisor. I mean, I got really excited. I'm like, God, man, another FDR, real progressivism, the second Bill of Rights. We're on our way. I mean, I really got happy. Whip out the flags and firecrackers went out and all that. And then after he lost the election, he gets in an interview and, uh, and and it was asked of Dr. Stephanie Kelton, what, why didn't Bernie Sanders follow through on your economic advice, right? Saying that I don't have to tell you how I'm going to pay for things because that's not the way it works. We don't pay for things. We're not like a household, not like a government, not like the state or, or business. We're different, right? You know, we don't have to come up with money. And why did he follow through? And you know what his answer was? It blew me away. He said, well, I've been a fiscal conservative all my life, and I'm not going to change now. Who said And that just blew me. Dr. Uh, Bernie Sanders said that. And you know what? I know, savvy. I know you're going to ask me, okay, point to the interview, and I'll be damned if I can't find it. (laughs) But I swear to God, I saw it. I mean, I swear to God, I saw that interview, and I actually heard him say that. Uh,
0: if, he, he, if he's that. a fiscal conservative, then how was he for Medicare for all?
11: Exactly. You see, this is how because Doctor Doctor Stephanie Kelton in her presidential lectures would say it this way. She said, "You know, when I talk to politicians about how money works, they look at me and they get it." And she, I love the way she does it on on, on the screen. She 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 says she, she says she says, and you can see it in their eyes, see it in their eyes, and they put their hands together and they know that what I'm telling them is true. But then they say this, they say, but I can't say that. I can't say that, why? Because most people don't understand modern money. Now, Bernie Sanders was in that position. Imagine for a moment that uh, Bernie Sanders' response to Hillary Clinton was, how are you gonna pay for that? And Bernie says, well, how we pay for everything else. Congress passes the bill. We send the instructions to the Federal Reserve the Federal Reserve starts passing or yeah, the Federal Reserve starts passing checks, right? I mean, you know exactly how that, right? And, and this is how we spend money. It's not like a household, right? He, but he couldn't say that because most everybody don't understand how modern money works. But it is key because when we talk about money in politics, most people say, get money out of politics. And I would say, no, put money in politics. Steve Grumbine from Real Progressives makes it a point, and I and I kind of agree with his reasoning. He says, "Listen, what we need to do as a society is make people understand modern money. And what we, what, once people understand how it really works, then what we tell the oligarchs who have captured our state for forty years now is, spend all the money you want. I don't care how much money you spend. Right? Uh, you, 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 you. We've got." more money than 13 Jeff Bezos lined up together and by understanding and passing free and fair elections and matching dollar for dollar the oligarchs money in campaign contributions we now have leveled the playing field and now the politician has to really answer the questions why don't you believe in medicare for all what is the reason give me the reason don't tell me don't 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 give me this freaking you know let's have an argument about how we're going to pay for it right so uh the uh so so to, to end i'm starting to wonder I, i'm starting to develop a theory uh and the theory has to do with the reasons why we don't argue why we don't discuss macro the macro uh, argument for fixing the so, let Go me ahead. just
0: let me just jump in here for just a second because sure. i've talked to multiple people on this show about mmt steve grumbine has come on to talk about it multiple times Fidel Kaboob has been on to talk about this as well. I have no problem with MMT. I think it's important that people understand how money works. That being said, after I learned about MMT, I'm left with this question. Okay, great. How do we actually apply it? What's the action? because just learning about theory doesn't solve the problem if there's actually no action. So it's great that people are becoming educated about it, but how do you actually get Congress, for example, to actually apply MMT? That's the problem that I run into with MMT. I feel like there's no, there's this theory, but then there's no action.
11: You know, Sebby. uh, On the uh, five-part video uh, of this uh, called This is Neoliberalism, it explains how it took 50 years for the libertarians to fight back against Keynesian economics, John Maynard Keynes, and his uh, embedded liberalism, right? 50 years it took, and a war. So, you know, uh, back to what Betsy said. I'm afraid – I don't know if you want to hear this, (laughs) but uh, it's, it's a gloomy picture. I'm a pessimist. I don't see the action unless there's revolution or war. And even with the war I don't actually see that happening simply because I don't know if the academics of modern monetary theory, the way it actually happens in sovereign countries who issued their own currencies, if they've got the academic uh, uh, literature and white papers and and, and, and the uh, what do you call the determination that the libertarians had in the 1930s to see it through uh so the action then is through revolution and i i've got my own ideas about that but they're really really radical and i don't know if i uh, I, i'm not sure i want to go into it here johnny
6: um, let me just say this before i pick up my customer um so did you know that okay so that so the mmt that's connected uh to the fed but even if we did oh let me make sure even if um we didn't have the fed it would just go back to congress because congress does have the power to do the same thing that the that the fed can do okay they they always want to shift the the responsibility to you know some people use that we right can't elect or whatever
12: right the case is because, because they can
6: legislate new money into existence just like the uh, just like the so fed half can
10: mile, right use, the, uh, 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 the right
6: article way. 1 section 8 clause 5 of the constitution that gives them the power of the purse You know, they do it all the time. Now, here's another thing. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm not saying anybody here, but anytime you get someone talking about, like, making these, pulling, like, these things out of their... And I'm not saying you, I'm not saying anyone here, but pulling these things out of their ass about how a public bank can't work and so on and so forth. You know, we have four... Police reporting ahead. We have five... Examples of a public bank in this country. Did you know that?
11: No, I wasn't aware.
6: So one, one already still exists. It's called the Bank of North Dakota.
11: It's been around
6: since June of 1919. But how do you think that we that 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 um well maybe not maybe not me because you know but how do you think the founding fathers how they financed their revolution against uh, britain they issued a public bank it was called the, it was called the first first national bank or the first first the first bank of the us or something like that
11: hamilton right they did,
6: mm-hmm. then they did the same thing with the war of 1812 they did the second National mm-hmm. Bank of the second yes, U.S. The right bank of right whatever right they called it, right?
10: right. And then
6: when the Civil War, Lincoln did the uh, I forgot what he called his public bank, but green the problem backs? was, know, yeah, yeah well, it was a
10: greenbacks,
6: green right? Backs, right? Mm-hmm. And then we think of FDR as oh, he was able to pay for everything because he taxed the rich at like 93 percent. Yeah, you could probably say that, but he really did it with a public bank. It was called the Reconstruction Finance Corporation. All of these all of these public banks had sunset clauses on them.
10: Just okay. Right. So the,
6: the newest one that, that, you know, we're trying to do is the National Infrastructure Bank, which would be permanent. But every time we had a National Public Bank, you know, and this is not like the Fed. This is an actual public bank. It worked. It, it you know, it, it built up the infrastructure and, you know, did all move that different right. type of stuff.
11: Mm-hmm. Um. So, you know, like that's that's. That, I think I think the Fed would work, except that we have neoliberal policies that change uh, uh, yeah, but, laws and okay, regulations. But,
6: okay, but, but let me just say let me just say this. Maybe this might answer her um, Sabrina's question, yeah. the, how we can't get the Fed to do anything because the Fed is not a public bank; it's not owned by us; it's owned by the private bankers. While a national infrastructure bank would be a public bank. Owned by us you see what i'm saying
11: so right, i mean i hear correct I hear, me if i'm wrong know, like, roger correct me if i'm wrong roger that uh the fed exists because congress put it into existence and the, fed yeah, will the federal reserve act right. right and the federal reserve will only do what congress allows it to do for example, oh well, yeah right for True. example the glass Steagall act uh kept uh, kept commercial banking and um yeah. And Mm -hmm. right, uh, separate, but the Ramly Beach Act separates that. We have the crash of 2008, and nothing's changed. So the point is this: Mm -hmm. is that uh, when we talk about uh, government, uh, we Uh know that our government uh, takes runs after people like Matt Taibbi that is exposing the corruption of neoliberal policies, right? Mm -hmm. But those neoliberal policies have a lot to do with economics. A lot to do with yeah. economics, right? And uh, and I, and I would just say that to, to, to answer Savvy's question, truly, oh. truly, our 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 efforts should be towards revolution, but a peaceful revolution. And uh, and there is actually, believe it or not, folks. I mean, I've got sound yes. argumentation behind this. I mean, sound reasoning for 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 a strategy that I've thought about for years about how Did to I? get uh, over that, right? Guys, uh, I'm a truck driver for a living, okay? That's what I do for a living. And if there's ever the best representation of the working class in America, it's the American truck driver. I see old people, young people, black people, African people, Arab people, Chinese people, Mexicans, white people, all kinds of people out here driving on the roads. And they all know that they have power. The United States government thought that they could sanction Russia and create an upheaval on the population to boot them out because Russia stands up to neoliberal policies and says, not here. In this country, the people rule, not rich people. This is why we're at war with Russia. It's an ideological war. Now, there is a way to get our government back, and it's revolution. It is revolution, but it's the kind of revolution that does this, how they have found a way to make us fight about abortion, about gun rights, about right and left, we actually can make them fight, fight for the country. and that is to have the the, the, the finance capitalists fight with uh, the, the productive capitalists. And I bet you a dollar when that, when we the people can create an economic crisis that will put them too at odds and make them look at each other and say, do you want a country or do you not? Now, the libertarians win here. They do, because the libertarians don't want nothing to do with big government. They would love to see the United States split up in 13 different freaking little small areas, right? But at the end of the day, I think that the people would come together and they would say to themselves, I don't want to do away with the federal government, the government, because I see that in fiscal policy, they could do the minimum for the, you know, and, and with a job guarantee and all kinds of stuff, right? I could see that the government is a good thing. This is why I say that we have to be careful. I think that if we say to ourselves, you know, uh, the IRS agencies or after my time, you, we, we could say in our conversations, the oligarchs are doing this because the federal government is mine. It's mine. And it's been taken from me. And I'm ready to fight for it. So uh, I, I think we could actually do it in two years. I think it, And it's so outrageously simple. It really is. It's outrageously simple. But the problem I see is that we, when we ask ourselves, you know, tell me about French culture. And we'll, we'll get a response. Tell me about Chinese culture, about, about Middle Eastern culture, about Russian culture. But then when you ask somebody, tell me about American culture, what will they say? Most people, I think, will say consumers, consumerism, our our individuality, what our diversity, what is supposed to make us strong, is actually made us weak, because we so, can't come together. Go ahead.
0: Yes. Yeah, so, so you admit that the way to apply MMT is through a revolution because see this this is the piece that's missing like like i said people have talked yep. about this they've come on the show talk about this multiple times and people are like okay i know mmt the- uh, theory now i understand it now what and that piece what you just said at the end there that piece is not mentioned in fact i've been told like multiple times when certain people have come on to the show and they've talked about mmt they've said over and over again We're not ready for a revolution. We're not ready for this. We're not ready for that. We're not ready for yada, yada, yada. People need to understand how money works. Okay, people understand that now. Now what? That's the problem. That's where my frustration comes with MMT is like, yes, it's important to understand theory, but it's also important to have some type of action afterwards. And if there's no action, that's when you start to lose people.
11: And I think, Savvy, I think there's a good reason behind that. And the reason I call it tolerance level. Because my tolerance level for neoliberalism is different from my neighbors, right? Uh, I, 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 my blood boils when I find out that the IRS goes to Matt Taibbi's house while he's in Congress defending our First Amendment right. I mean, my, I mean, it, it boils. I mean, I get really, really mad, you know, because that, that I can't handle that. But other people don't even know that is happening. Don't even recognize that our, our, our state has been captured by oligarchs, right? So the, the the difficulty and the reason why I think a lot of MMTers, right, that know the, the there's a big advantage of understanding modern, uh, how modern money works and that the federal government can do a lot of good things. The problem, the reason why is because I don't like to be uncomfortable. Okay. I don't like the idea of revolution because I know that that's going to get me uncomfortable, Right. A lot of people don't want that, but uh, that is the difficulty. And, uh, even the MMTers recognize this, and I think that their theory is correct. But the problem again is that we, as a people, we as a culture, are not like the the, the South America, the the, uh, the the Brazilians, right? Uh, Hugo Chavez was it uh, the uh, the the the, the, the southern culture who all got together and went in protest. You know, we, uh, we, we're just afraid of revolution, right? But I argue that, you know, if if we were all, if we all understood what was at stake, that by doing nothing, knowing knowing that we're heading in the wrong direction and doing nothing, then how does it end? It doesn't end with Matt Taibbi, uh, the IRS going to Matt Taibbi's house. It ends with Matt Taibbi ending up in prison and being tortured for exercising what is supposed to be a First Amendment right. At one point, we're going to get to that tolerance level. Well, most people are going to say, that's it. I think it was Naomi Klein that said that the day that they come and throw me in jail, my family, is the day that I know I've had enough, right? So how the action, the action. Uh, And I'll just finish with this, okay? It's outrageous, but it'll work. I promise you, it'll work. The people recognize power. They identify power in creating an economic crisis in America. And the only people that can do that is the truck driver. When the truck driver stops his truck and becomes a new representative of the people through revolution, they tell the federal government, you've got three things you need to do in order for me to start driving again number one a, a nuclear arms treaty number two free and fair elections according to one lawrence lessig and number three not to pass medicare for all but a vote on medicare for all if you don't do those three things then chaos breaks out let's see how you handle that uh, uh, that's crazy and uh, it's mm-hmm. crazy it's radical but i don't see any other way that's the answer, Sammy, to your question How the action can be nothing short of a uh, revolution because it is a macro problem. It's not a micro problem. Thanks for hearing me out. Thank you so much.
0: This is something we've continued to say um, on RBN is that it's anything short of that. We're going to end up with the same problem over and over again. Go ahead, Roger. And then I'm going to go to uh, David.
6: Yeah, I would. um I would much rather end the Fed because I, I think I'm up to that point now. Um, just repeal the Federal Reserve Act and and have a national infrastructure bank and reinstate postal banking, so that you know was, the postal bank worked great for um, you know 1911 to 1967 until Wall Street lobby to 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 um, get, get it out of there and. From what I forgot where I where I saw it at, but the postal bank was 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 kicking their
10: ass.
0: Oh, I think you're breaking up here.
10: Much things were willing to
6: to give. What about now?
0: Okay, you you're know, back now? now. You might want to start that over. You were yeah. breaking up a little bit.
6: Okay, so now I was just saying, I would, you know, I'm up, I'm at that point where I'm ready to just.
0: Yeah, we we lost you, um, Roger. Maybe maybe come back. Uh, it might be that area that you're driving through. The
6: national infrastructure bank.
0: Yeah, we missed most of that.
6: Okay. There he goes. Go
3: ahead. If I can say something, I am with you, Savvy. People talk about modern monetary theory, this and that, and the government can and does spend money into existence. I get that, but there is a piece to modern monetary theory that no one seems to address, and that is when that money is spent into existence, the Federal Reserve issues debt instruments that other nations purchase and hold. And so you can't just, I mean, just like now, we've spent money into existence and we have like so many millions, billions of dollars unaccounted for through the Pentagon. And it's just out there. But at some point, you know, the reason the dollar has been so strong is because it is the international unit of trade. But if if BRICS comes in online and there is another alternative for people to do international international transactions, the U.S. dollar would drop instantly. And just printing money is not going to solve the problem if other nations are not willing to to purchase your debt. So there is no fount of just in this print money, print money, because that's how you create a hyperinflation. And so there has to be some bottom line control to it. And on the other hand, when it comes to talk of revolution, one of the reasons we, I think we're not at a space where we'll see revolution in this country is because revolution entails a certain amount of organization. Revolutions are generally class-based efforts. You know, and we're not going to have that because there's too much division amongst the masses. What we will have is chaos and confusion. And so until we can get that big, broad organization along class lines, I don't think we're in a place that we can entertain revolution. Because what it would divulge into is people fighting against each other. We still have issues with, you know, January 6th. We still have issues with, you know, white supremacy in this nation. And, and we don't have an alignment of all working class blacks and whites joining together on one page on anything. And that has been the secret in the sauce to America is the division. When you look at some of these other nations like France that entertains notions of revolution and like Israel, that's been coming out strong against um, Bibi at this point. These people are coming out on a common accord, but generally speaking, America is all over the place on every issue. You know, Trump came out and his language was distinctly race based, you know, and so how are you going to do this when you have. You know, the Latino Latinx community is the biggest minority now. They're fighting on immigration issues. Blacks are fighting around reparations issues that puts them at odds with their white neighbors who are covertly fighting for white privilege. And they're, you know, so I just don't think we can even get to that point. Because the things that divide us are still more potent than the things that bind us together. There is no unanimity amongst what it means to be an American. And we see that all the time.
11: I I tend to agree, Noel. I tend to agree. And that's why I think that a a step in the right direction, a huge step in the right direction would say to use the, the, the right language describing what we're facing, that, 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 but I agree, uh, I totally agree. We've got one hell of a mountain to, to overcome. So thanks, Debbie. Uh,
0: Thank uh, you
6: so much, Johnny. Yeah, uh, can you hear me? No. We can hear you. So yeah, what I was saying is I would much rather just repeal the Federal Reserve Act and end the Fed, bring have a National Infrastructure Bank, and reinstate postal banking which uh, worked from like 1911 to 1967. And they were very much kicking the ass of of the wall street banks because they were charging a higher interest on savings. So people got to see, you know, so people, so the wall street banks couldn't compete with that. So they lobbied to end it. Speed trap reported. Um, Also a good way to reintroduce it. even see because I know like we have like the black community is very like I don't know about banks because we have a history with banks like screwing us over whatever the case is but what you can use it for is in if you go into any black community throughout the US what's the one thing that's open all the time the check cash in place yeah okay so you can have the postal bank just cash checks and since it's the government, they're not going to charge you. They, you know, just like a check cashing place would. But it has to be twenty four seven. It can't be like, oh, we're just open during post office hours. That's that's really not going to work. You see what I'm saying? Um, and uh, oh, something else I wanted to. Um, this one's this one's for Betsy also. Something I was thinking about it because you know, like if I have a conversation with someone, I end up rewinding in my head what transpired later on. And it, it, here's an example of, you know, like, be careful, not just, not just be careful, but listen very closely to how politicians put, put things, right? If you noticed, Eric asked him, hey, what about, you know, at that meeting that we had, hey, what about, you know, a public bank for public financing of elections? And he said, oh no, it'd be used for lending and this, that, that, this and everything and so on and so forth. And I said, and I said, "Yeah, that's true." But the surplus that it would create, um, that can be that money can be used to finance
4: speed trap reported ahead
6: public financing of elections. And he didn't dispute that. You see what I'm saying? So just, just you know, like when you talk to these people, it's like you got to listen very. And sometimes it's not what they say, but what they don't say, and what they believe make you they lead you on to try to go down another path. You know what I mean? So that's just something that I, that I, that I noticed either he was either being dishonest when, when he answered Eric or he didn't know about as much about uh, a public bank as I, because I've been studying it since 2010. You see what I'm saying? So when they, so when he was saying, Oh, you can't do the amendment thing. I know I'm going back to that, but that, that, that really pissed me
13: off. But
6: (laughs) Roger, Now I hear you. (laughs) uh
0: we're bringing in dave what's going on dave
13: hey 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 savvy uh uh not too much things good here
0: so what what's your take on on everything that's happening uh in reference to this whole irs situation or government agencies in general
13: um all right i mean i can speak on that i was going to say like if i'm coming in i was like i was going to give you uh or like you know, you show a choice of either, either Matt Taibbi, Massachusetts politics, the IRS thing with Matt, or, or like hard political strategy, or like, uh, observations on the power dynamics, uh, going on right now. But, um, yeah, I mean, on, on, uh, IRS, on Matt Taibbi, <laughs> uh, yeah, that's a tough one because, uh, uh, what 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 aspect of it should I speak to like what do you what aspect would you like me to speak to on that
0: well it's very strange to me that they just showed up at his house unannounced and then also the same day that he was you know at, at congress for the 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 hearing it was the same time that they showed up
13: right so they came so that means that they so that means that they so yeah, probably means that they—that means that they're definitely trying to that the federal government's definitely trying to intimidate IB So you know, we should immediately, you know, we should make sure that Matt knows, you know, if you talk to Katie or talk to, uh, you know, that they they planned it, so they scheduled it, they scheduled it, and they're trying to intimidate him. And that's why, like, if I was him, I might not, not necessarily have testified before. I mean, I guess he was subpoenaed, but. I wouldn't have necessarily uh, uh, been that chummy with with Congress, but you kind of have to. But yeah, so if you talk to Katie or others that know him, I would, you know, make sure he knows that they. I mean, sure he knows this, but that they're they're tar- you know they're targeting him, they're targeting the brother. I think. So
9: yeah, yeah I,
0: I really do feel like it's some form of intimidation. I really do. It's kind of like it's a way of sending a, a sending a sign or a signal. <laughs> without like, without like, outright saying it because, again, like I said, I question the timing, and they don't want to be obvious about it, right? So they're not going to send like, like the FBI is not going to go there, the CIA is not going to go there, which they're the ones that are mentioned in the Twitter files. So the IRS shows up,
13: right? Because because Matt's careful not to do, like he doesn't do illegal like you know, Matt's careful not to do illegal things that are subject of typical FBI or CIA invasions, even though he, you know, obviously he is, he's done some investigations that lay out, lay bare some of their practices. So that's part of the reason why they hate him. But I, I got to I, I think you're right. You're dead right, Savvy, And also, you're dead right. And also, I mean, I think it's a little bit worse. I didn't know that they came at the time that he was, like, they came to his house. Well, he's got three kids. They came to his house. While yeah. he was, while he was testifying. So I, I, I'm not gonna get, I'm not gonna get heated. I'm, I'm not getting heated tonight because I'm headed for bed soon. I want to be in a meditative <laughs> mind. I'm gonna do the vibe check. Like, I'm, I'll, I'm gonna vibe check, uh, myself, but uh, that's very dangerous. You know, the fact that they came when he was out, um and probably his wife and three kids were there. Uh, and it came at the time that he was, while he was testifying. That's, that's like, that's more than, that's like sending it, that's like it's sending like a, that's like the mafia send, that's like, that's like the horse, you know, that's like the scene in Godfather where they put the horse
8: in the
10: guy's
13: right. head. That's, yeah, that's, that's, that's massive targeted intimidation. He knows, yeah, and all, not only that, but, uh, so that's why I'm worried about even like, – we have to be more careful in public now, though, because the government has gone very Pinochet lately. Like, there have been some assassinations, and there have been some people put in jail that we don't – you know, we haven't been able to get out, and they, you know, under false pre- pretenses I'm talking about political arrests. So I'm being a little more careful now. And the fact that they came – I didn't know they came after Matt. I didn't know they did that to Matt. I thought just the IRS investigated him. But it depends it, if he yes. has –
0: it just came out yesterday. Like I,
13: I found yeah. out last night. Yeah. So Matt grew up, like Matt's four years older than me. But he, I don't have kids. He's got three kids. He, he went to, you know, he went to that school and he went to a private school in Concord for, for high school. Yeah. Um, so, you know, he was a, obviously a brilliant student, him a brilliant journalist, one of the most accomplished journalists of this generation. But I would say if you know people that I'm not in communication with him. So I would say we should, we need to, uh, I, I would say we need to actually organize a demonstration uh, in favor of Matt right now. It'd almost be good to do in Boston and New York uh, right now. So we make, we make it public so that he's more defended. But like the the, the IRS, I mean, you know, if he doesn't have, our, if he has IRS back taxes, like he owes a lot in back taxes, and I'm like, then I'd more, and that could be more of a it might be less of an intimidation thing than I think it, but it seems like now it's massive intimidation and he may not owe the IRS anything. And they're using the IRS as a way to put it, you know, as a way to put it, scare. I don't, I don't, I don't
0: think he does like based on what I've read, basically to make a long story short, this is going back to 2018. They're saying that they came by because he may have had identity theft From 2018, Dave, and they're just now, like, you just show up at some, the IRS doesn't just show up at your house unannounced.
13: No, I mean, usually they only, they only show up at your house if they think you, it's a, if, yeah, exactly. So why would they show up at his, to see his wife and his little kid, his young kids. uh, That's
0: scary. While he's in a, It's scary. Like, guys, I want you to think about this for a second. I don't know um, those of you who are listening that do have kids or whatever. I want you to think about this. Pretend it was you. Pretend it was you and you weren't home. I don't, I don't know if his, his family was home or not, but pretend it was you and you weren't home and you come back home and you see this note that the IRS stopped by. How would you feel?
13: Yeah, usually the the IRS doesn't send agents unless they only send agents if they're specific, if they're like something particular targeting you. Although they did do just a big hiring program where supposedly they hired a lot of new agents and new people, but supposedly in the last few months. But normally it's only if they particularly want to talk to you about something that's where you've done something that is very, it's not necessarily that bad, but it's very unusual or if you owe a shitload back taxes like they want to and they want to serve you with a you know, some kind of notice related to that but otherwise the irs doesn't come or you're involved in like a massive and they send the irs with guns and say, like a massive drug criminal conspiracy type thing and they send the irs with guns instead of another division of the federal government so they wouldn't come if he just owed fifty thousand in back taxes or if there was some issue that they're trying to help him with why would they why would they come to his door like, why would they come to his door? I, I don't get that
0: so. exactly. And he said, so he did put on Twitter um, recently. He said that, like, you know, basically, like he's done nothing wrong, but he still has not been given an explanation for why they did what they did. Yeah. What
3: happened?
13: I mean, it's kind of weird that they shut the feds. The feds show up at his place, at his family's, his apartment. You know, his house or apartment in the. All he's testifying to God.
0: <laughs> I gotta, I'm telling you, listen, like, again, like I said, the timing of it and everything. Because, like, like, the IRS will send a letter. They will send a letter. Like, even if you, I know, like, for me, like, I always have to pay. I always have to pay. Like, I don't get a refund. I haven't had a refund since I was single. So, like, I always have to pay. Even when I have to pay, they send a letter that says, hello, this is what you owe yada 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 you can choose yeah. to do a payment plan like these motherfuckers yeah. don't show up at my house
13: <laughs> right. yeah they, you don't want to see those mfs but they but they also yeah my, i mean i've had friends that have been pursued by the irs but the but yeah like someone was just saying in the chat they send a they always send a letter the irs rarely sends agents to, to your house um
3: yeah mm. and when they do it the i find it good. alarming and troubling But if I know I haven't done anything wrong and I know I haven't, it wouldn't be as troubling to me because I know I've not done anything wrong that would get me in the crosshairs of the IRS. That said, I find what is happening to Steve Donzinger by orders and scales much, much more troubling than the IRS showing up at Matt Taipi's door.
13: Yes. yes, Because this
3: man has had his career... Destroyed. He has been prosecuted essentially by the corporation that he was able to win a lawsuit against. And the Supreme Court has just refused to hear his appeal. And on top of that, you had two conservative justices who dissented and the three so called liberals who could have created a 5 4 majority did not weigh in in the dissent. So to me, that is much, much more
6: true. Mm-hmm.
0: Because the Supreme Court, that go, so that go to show you, it really doesn't matter if the Supreme Court is, quote unquote, conservative or not in reference to these types of situations because they still back the corporations. They were able to basically, this is how I look at it. What they did to Steve Donsinger the other day that's their way of saying we're backing Chevron instead of backing you. That's how I look at it. That has ramifications. It's, for
13: it's worse than that. I mean, it's worse than that, savvy. I mean, look look at the implications for law of like of what, ha- you know, what happened. No, but they're not just backing Chevron. They are. They're not even. They're not even willing to. I mean, just just look at the court procedure around that. What happened? Uh, I mean, the the, the corporation kind of thwarted the let let me let me leave it at that i'm sure you can see the implications of what you're hoarded there so yeah
0: yeah they ruined they contaminated indigenous people they contain contaminated indigenous people water and they contaminated their soil right and And then they they didn't pay
13: they've resisted so they haven't paid the settlement that he won he put in the years down there interviewing and making the case he got the settlement they haven't paid And while they're not paying, they through a private sort of intervention into the government, which bought off the judge who was connected to Chevron, then got, I mean, what you report, then they got him under house arrest for three years after intimidating him. And then when it goes, gets to the Supreme Court, Supreme Court, except for Gorsuch says, nothing wrong, it stands, right? So Noel's right, the Supreme Court, The federal, you know, again, I I don't have to say which institutions of government are gone now and completely corrupt, but uh, certainly all the federal, all the highest federal ones are. (laughs) But yeah, yeah,
0: Yeah. maybe I can see, maybe I can see if I can get him on. I I don't, I I can try, um, see if I can, I can contact him because this is just some bullshit. Like more people need to, and I gotta let you guys know, most people that I talk to don't really watch independent media, right? Like they, they don't really watch like YouTube stuff. Like they watch YouTube stuff about like people's dogs and cats and shit. Like yeah. they don't really watch like <laughs> yeah. like this kind of stuff. And so when I bring this up with like people that are quote unquote in my circle or whatever this is the first time they're hearing about it. They have no idea who Steve Dodzinger is. They have no idea about the Twitter files and Matt Taibbi. And to me, it's like crazy because I'm like, how the fuck y'all don't know? This shit been everywhere. And then it kind of hit me, like for people who are not on Twitter and only really watch mainstream media if they watch the news. Yeah. This is is absent.
13: Media is actually, media is more fascist than the media now, like the major media... It's More fascist than the government, so in some in some respects, like it's doing a it's doing tighter tighter lockdown on the biggest like on the, all the biggest stories of the day. That's why that's why you that's why you. It's part of the reason why you and others are so pop. You know, I'm not saying you're. I mean, you're amazing. That's why you're popular. But, but you know, it's part of the reason why so many people are flooding to shows like shows like you know and RBN and other yeah. shows.
0: Yeah, I think like when I told my dad about the Twitter files, my dad was like, first of all, he hadn't heard about it. When I told my dad about the Twitter files, he was like, I don't know what this is about, but it sounds juicy. Like I, I was just telling him like everything, like the FBI and everything. He was like, I don't know what this is all
3: about, but this sounds juicy. of <laughs> uh, the reasons why I am so troubled by Stephen Donzinger. It's because, can you imagine, first of all, he's a Harvard-trained attorney. He won that suit for the Ecuadorian people. But can you imagine the Supreme Court's unwillingness to hear his case, the chilling effect that's going to have on any lawsuits against other corporate entities in this country? Because the lawyers will know what can be done to them. And so those of us everyday people, when we get into situations where we need legal representation, depending upon the size and the influence of the corporation, you're not even going to be able to find firms to represent you because of this bone chilling effect that this situation has had. And like you say, Sabrina, a lot of everyday Americans are not aware of the Steve Donzinger situation but you better believe all the attorneys in this nation do
8: mm-hmm.
3: you better believe it. and and it's just like i say this is the the our whole structure leaning towards this fascism where the corporations can get to what they want no matter what you know and and you know no, when roger that, was talking about nice. sure. his approach to you know bringing back to postal banks and these things i'm saying to myself they were working they were functional but when capital says as it becomes predatory i need to feed off this the glass Steagall was fine for decades in separating the commercial from the investment banking but when capital came in and said we want to feed on this they got rid of it then we have these cycles of collapses Then they bring back Dodd-Frank and they say, "Ooh, Dodd-Frank is too stringent. Weaken it. They weaken it. We have SV Bank. So it's like, you know, if you propose anything and, and that's why it goes back to capitalism is the big monster here, because no matter what you propose, if it is not feeding them at the trough, they lobby Congress. And before you know it, nothing is happening. And it's just you know we're really in a bad space
13: it's tr- it's true noel I- I'm trying to stay I'm trying to stay as I mean you guys help me say as positive uh, as I can I- I, you know it- it's capitalism it's it's all I mean the form of the US legal system also you No, know, because you like you just said something about press it'll set a precedent you know the way that precedent is uh, important in US law and many forms of law but you know <laughs> precedent is President's very powerful. So, like, you'd also have to deconstruct the legal, system. like, I'm sure you've wanted to, you know, rewrite a lot of laws. I'm sure you've protested laws. I'm sure you've fought using laws, but I'm sure you've wanted to rewrite a lot of laws. I mean, it, the law in the U.S. also, in, which together is a creature of the money, of how money system created the laws, um, for the most part. You know, the laws come out of the money system for the most part. It, like, if you track it back through, through time, um, so yeah, uh, I agree with that. If some people in the chat, like Murphy and others, are saying we should talk action, <laughs> we should like start planning direct actions in the in the Collins. So I don't know. So, so, I, don't, I don't know if that's if that's easy to do or not. But yeah.
6: so um, oh yeah, yeah yeah yeah. So that's why I'm past. I guess like piggybacking onto what Noel was saying, I'm past uh, regulation. And even yep. antitrust, because, because those are reforms, you know, yep. transformation. Okay. Yep. The, the,
9: the core of hazard reported ahead.
6: The, fu- yes, exactly. Capitalism is the hazard. The core of, <laughs> of, of the tools that capitalism uses is you have to recognize, you know, the tools that it uses and the tools are Wall Street banks and corporations. Okay. So. Yep you need to not regulate the corporation but end the corporation and replace it with co-ops with Wall Street you have to diminish their you have to diminish their power through you know like like I said uh, uh, you start having a network of postal bank uh, well we yeah, have postal banks also but public banks um, at every level of government at the municipal level state regional level state State level, as because it's our taxes that props speed up speed trap
9: reported ahead,
6: it's our tax dollars that props up Wall Street banks. So, you have to starve the beast, okay? So, each municipality and each state region and each state and each U.S. region that starts having uh, public banks, that's you're starving Wall Street of your tax dollars because those tax dollars the state and local are staying in the community are staying in the state. So they won't have that type of money to fight, you know, to, 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 fight back and try to get those, you know, try to repeal those things. Um, also with, you also have to start, you know, like the Steven Donzinger, that would be the perfect opportunity to revoke a corporate charter and, and reissue a cooperative charter. You see what I'm saying? Um, also, yeah, Sabrina, yeah. Oh, go ahead. Uh-huh. Um, I saw that tweet from Kim Iverson. Yeah, those are really
13: good point. Those are great points. Roger. Those are great points, Roger, on the structure of the of the of the economy and the power. You know, the powers. Power. So. Mm-hmm.
6: Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so S- Sabrina, I saw that tweet from Kim Iverson that was talking about someone trying to break into her house. I thought that was random. I didn't know that there was a part. I didn't know that that was a part two. I didn't know that there was a part one to that. I didn't know that she was that happened. I didn't even know that she interviewed Alan Dershowitz. Yeah. Say, I, I, I just thought that some random person tried to break into her house. But then when you said what you said that, oh, she interviewed Alan Dershowitz. Oh, she interviewed Alan Dershowitz. Then you say that. So I heard about talking.
13: that. I heard about that. Yeah.
6: Hold on, let me see. Hold on. You know what? continue
0: roger i'ma i'ma no. pull up that tweet and i'ma i'ma play the video because i want y'all to i want you to hear what he said to her
6: yeah yeah i saw the tweet I, I was i was done with what i was saying i just didn't know that 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 was part two to a part one i didn't know there was a part one to it i thought she was just saying oh some fool tried to break into my house so uh uh kim um i know we haven't seen eye to eye a lot get a gun and a pit bull that's my advice Yo, I'm serious
0: because, like, when Kim, when she said that, I was like, "Oh, snap!" And I responded and I told her, I said, "Oh my God, be careful, be careful," because we all knew, like, she put like those ones. I think spot. most of us that well, most of us that commented, I think we knew, like, well, whoa, this is too close to when you had this interview with Alan Dershowitz, and he was not playing around with Kim and yeah. Yeah. and they put out an article there was an article put out that says Jeffrey Epstein lawyer Alan Dershowitz confronted by Kim Iverson it was an article put out about that like he was not happy about it at all
13: yeah I heard I heard I heard about what I heard, him, I heard about her interviewing him and, and his reaction but not but not the details that Savage just gave so.
0: oh okay I found it hold on Hold on, guys, because there's two clips. I'm going to play. Let me play the first clip Let me pull this up. Okay, listen to what he said. Hold on. Mr. Uh,
7: Dershort's, while I have you covered the Jeffrey Epstein case extensively and your name came up quite right. often, uh, Virginia yep. DeFray actually.
0: Can you guys hear it okay? Can you hear it okay, uh, David?
13: Oh, yeah. Uh, okay. yeah right. Okay. All right, listen yeah, to right.
0: this. It's two parts. This is the first part
7: accused you then later backtrack say that she had made a mistake. There were others who also accused you, but you had said that they couldn't properly identify you uh, or certain parts of you.
10: And there no, no, were... no, no. It wasn't identified. It's that, um, one woman said she saw me walking up the stairs of Epstein's house uh, at a time, uh, years before i had ever met Epstein. So that was just a complete made up story. And the other woman, um, had written a series of letters to the New York post claiming she had videotapes of Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton, uh, having sex together and, um, have, um, uh, many other people. And then of course she backed away from all of it. And, um, uh, uh, I've been completely, totally exonerated and vindicated. I never met any of these people. I never heard of them. Um, I defended Jeffrey. I've seen the way I've defended hundreds of other people, some guilty, some innocent. But I did absolutely nothing wrong. I've been completely exonerated and completely vindicated. I'm completely innocent. I've never touched anybody sexually since uh, the day I met my wife um, uh, during the relevant time period. And so um, I'm, I did nothing wrong. And uh, and nobody who's ever accused me has, has done it with any evidence or any credibility. So I'm, I'm happy to go on with my life, let them go on with their lives, but, uh, categorically, unequivocally, I did nothing wrong. So you do admit that you did receive a massage at his mansion? No. Uh, What happened is my wife got a massage, uh, at his house. And then I had a neck and shoulder massage from a woman named Olga, who was like 45 years old. Virtually everybody who went to any of Jeffrey Epstein's houses, uh, got therapeutic massages. They were offered to, uh, to Everybody, but I've never had a sexual massage or anything improper. I've never been touched by an underage person, so no, that's uh, not true at all. Um, uh, okay. what else? You have no. anything else you want to throw at me?
0: Okay, that's the first clip. That one, I here comes, okay. here comes the, the second clip. This is the crazy part.
6: Okay, Just I-, I think things. absolutely.
7: Well, uh, many of us suspect that uh, Jeffrey Epstein was an asset to Mossad and that uh, Ghislaine Maxwell was That's in fact an agent of Mossad. This is, there's a lot totally of evidence nonsense. that point to this direction. And that no, they there's, were, there's no they were operating a blackmail operation in yeah. order to get very powerful people, including people like yourself, uh, on in precarious positions to where you could potentially work on behalf of the state of Israel or... The well, state I work. I've been working Island. on
10: the state of Israel. I've been working for the state of Israel since before you were born. Um, Jeffrey Epstein once visited me in Israel. He had never been there. He didn't know anybody in Israel. Um, he didn't work for the Mossad. The Mossad wouldn't hire him. And uh, I hope he had uh, videotapes of everybody because they would show I never did anything uh, improper. Uh, I have one other question: uh, Are you used to having people come on your show? To talk about one subject and then sandbagging them on another subject without any warning because it's nice to know you do that and it will be make certain that i have nothing to hide i'm happy to talk about any of this but i'm actually, used to um, we, more ethical journalism no we actually did notify the
7: people who booked you onto the show that you would be asked about epstein and they assured us that you were aware no they of never
10: notified me about that and you'd have to show me that email
7: okay uh, one last question:
10: Do you think that Jeffrey Epstein killed himself? No, uh, of course not. Uh, well, he didn't kill himself without the help of uh, some people. He did kill himself, but he killed himself with the help of uh, guards. He didn't do it by himself. He couldn't have done that. Obviously, though, the, the uh, videos were turned off, and um, um, and the uh, um, uh, guards uh, turned their back and his cellmate left. So I think he killed himself, but he killed himself with the assistance of uh, some people in in law enforcement.
7: Okay. All right, Mr. Dershowitz, thank you so much for joining the show. I uh, appreciate you. Well, it's
10: the ask. last time. It's the last time you'll have me on your show, so uh, take advantage of it. <laughs> I
7: think I think I got what I needed out of you. Thank you very much.
10: Well, you got what you wanted.
0: <laughs> okay. Friday. So that happened. That was Kim posted that interview on Twitter or those clips on Twitter on March 20th. And that incident took place. Let me just scroll up here. Um March 24th. I woke up at five 5 a.m. thinking someone was trying to break into my house. I got up, looked around all my entry points. Saw nothing and went back to bed. Then at six a.m., my cameras went off, picking up two people attempting to break into my home. I said, "Girl, be careful."
13: Coincidence?
0: I don't know.
13: Was that how close was that to the inter- to the interview uh, taking place, uh, Tabby?
0: March twentieth is the date the interview was posted on Twitter because she posted those two clips. She posted those on Twitter. Yep. And then it was March 24th is when she posted. I woke up at 5 a.m. thinking someone was trying to break into my house.
13: In some ways, I'm not. I don't want to say too much here, but in some ways, I'm not surprised because he's so wired I mean he lives on uh, Martha's Vineyard. With, I mean, he's wired right directly to Obama and like those <laughs> and Epstein, obviously. So he's uh yeah, I mean, he's so wired, that guy. So, uh, yeah, that's, I'm not surprised mm-hmm. they went after Kim. if, if that's that's what happened there.
0: I I just told her like just to be careful because like I said, like that, those clips on Twitter went pretty viral. And then that article was written about her after those clips went viral. So just FYI.
3: There are a couple of things that were, that caught my attention um, in those two clips. And one is, first of all, we have a better idea of who Epstein was now that he's gone. But there's the um, call book of Virginia Dufresne that's that's been sealed. So we know that this man was dealing. You have all these young ladies coming out saying they were being trafficked. And we know he ran in circles of the most elite of the elite but now nobody knows nothing nobody knows anything oh everybody got a massage but her name was Olga and this and that and so I'm like ooh okay but what really captured me the other piece was when she said do you do you believe Epstein killed himself is oh no oh no and then he catches himself and says did it but with assistance from the guards and I'm thinking I'm thinking you sure have all the inside scoop on this to to, you know you're talking about the guards turn their backs and this and that and this and that Mm -hmm. so I'm like how do you know so much about what the particulars are of what happened and if those things happened in that fashion shouldn't we be getting some prosecution you know of this quote-unquote assisted suicide, but his first instinct was, "Oh no," and then he backtracked, and then yeah. created this whole narrative about what really happened, and and added specificity. And I thought, "Okay," and that's when he really got the angriest, you know, because and then we'll think about the Mossad. That is just, you know, that mm-hmm. is at that level. Been the two people from uh-huh. the Mossad tipping around her
10: house. Listen, yeah, no, I, I'm, well, I'm, I'm telling no you guys, else. there's
0: there's a documentary on Hulu about Jeffrey Epstein and his connection to the owner of Victoria's Secret, and how the owner of Victoria's Secret was actually the one who who put him on the path uh, to to get like his his fortune, basically. Right. So I watched that whole whole documentary. You know, you got to take it with take it with a grain of salt because remember, it's it's one side of the story. But that being said, like that tells me there's some very very powerful people that have had connections with Jeffrey Epstein, and that's why they don't want to release release that uh that book of names that um, uh, Jolene yeah. uh, Maxwell had is because yeah. there are some people in there that I'm pretty sure that some of us probably would never we would never want to know we'd probably be better off not knowing because we would be so disappointed
13: but whitney webb is the whitney webb has the i mean i don't know if everything says is true but whitney webb has the goods on that you know he gives a breakdown of epstein's like all of epstein's it's crazy the who's epstein is connected like uh mm-hmm. some of the stuff i mean just how extensive it was and how far back it goes and what he was um, happened. Like, he, Bill Clinton, Bill Clinton, Bill Gates, a lot
0: of people. Guys, he was a freaking con artist. Like he was teaching. He had a professor position at a college in New York and he did not have the credentials. He lied and said that he graduated from Harvard. This motherfucker never went to Harvard. Like he got away with so much stuff. So much stuff. And it was because, like, some of the models for Victoria's Secret, they started to complain that this guy, which was Jeffrey Epstein, he was coming to recruit them. And he was like, Yeah, I work for I work for the company. And he didn't work for the company. And they were like, Well, this guy tried to recruit me and da-da-da. In fact, one of the Victoria's Secret models, she spoke out years ago. When he assaulted her and nobody wanted to believe her, like she was in the press and everything and said, this guy assaulted me and nobody wanted to listen to her and nothing was done to him. And I really do believe it's because he has tapes of blackmail against a lot of these powerful people. And I think he controls some of these judges, et cetera, et cetera. And I think that's why nothing was done to him. But this guy also said in this interview with Kim, Alan Dersowicz said, that he never received any massages. Then he goes on to say, "Well, yeah, I mean, like, well, my, my wife got a massage, but I, I got a neck massage, but it was never anything sexual." <laughs> but in the beginning, you said you never got a massage. So which is it?
13: Right. So he's changed his story, and then Kim back. Kim had him backing up in her in cross examination, uh, which you know, uh, given, uh, that's that's pretty bad given who he who he is. So uh, yeah, I mean Kim did some. I mean I don't know Kim Iverson, but I mean she. I've seen her stuff, but she did some good work there.
3: Yeah. Let
13: me do tell you know. something.
0: Kim does not play around.
3: No, nope. Kim, Kim gives zero fucks. Go ahead, Noel. The, here's what we do know, just as everyday people, no one can move like Epstein did without the the coverage and the knowledge of people who move in those circles. Just like Harvey Weinstein, you know, there's some little things people can do in their lives and people not knowing this and that. But when you wield the type of influence and move in the circles and did the things that those men did for as long as they did, it is almost preposterous to assume that nobody in that level had some idea and were not participating. Now we oh, can't prove yeah. it, but there's some names in those books. And, well there's definitely you know, names in the
13: books and Whitney Webb lays out a lot I mean, have you look have you looked at Whitney Webb's stuff, uh, Noel? Noelle? What she lays out on that?
3: No, I haven't.
13: You should look at Whitney look at Whitney Webb's uh, like just some of her stuff on Rockfin or YouTube, like she has videos where she describes her main the main points in her books. Um, so you can get it in like a forty-five minute video. You can get the the main like stuff related to uh, much more detail on on Epstein. Uh, i
0: have Epstein. to check that out. Yeah, yeah. when more has a lot more information. I do want to make sure I bring in Ruben because he's been waiting for a while.
13: Yeah, yeah thanks, thanks, uh, thanks for having me. I'm gonna let me dodge uh, out tabby. definitely though. Com- I'll I'll send you an email, but. If you want to know about the Clean Elections people in Massachusetts, I was connected to people that uh, that worked that were, uh, that worked on that ballot initiative, um, like some of the main people that worked on that at that time. Uh, so I still know them. So I can put I'm just saying I can put you in contact with the people that worked on Clean Elections 20, uh, 20 years ago. So.
0: Awesome. Sounds good. OK, uh- Ruben, you are on the mic. Just have to unmute.
12: hello oh hi hi sorry about that um that was a that was an interesting anxious <laughs> moment there i'm like i'm obsessing over like hopefully the government doesn't come after me because of the irs stuff even though i owe like eleven hundred dollars um um i to to noel's earlier point you know um, americans really have to come together on one issue or just a genuine issue that way you know there isn't that much of a division and we can move forward I was gonna say other things but um I'm just up I'm just obsessively anxious now since you guys mentioned about the Kim and stuff um I've I've reached out to Stephen Donzinger um on my own accord via Instagram because I am fascinated with With his case, and I'm fascinated to, like, why our own government is hushing him up and, you know, freedom of speech, my ass type of situation. Uh, And he replied to me, and I was so happy that he replied to me. And I sent him back on Instagram, hey, I have a couple of questions, so on and so forth. And which, to which I'm still waiting for, for a reply, but he did message me. And he said that he is interested in like, in like me interviewing him. Because I do believe that all of this needs to be put out in the ethos a lot more. But now I'm like, I'm scared if I do it now. Like, I don't want the government to come in my freaking apartment. Um, but that's, that's an American thing. But the reason why I'm calling is um, it's about Nord Stream pipelines. I'm not sure if you guys are up, still, still up to date. But um, the U.S. not wanting stuff is is making it more worse. And and now you're having Mozambican and Ecuadorian officials pointing the fingers on like over to the U.S. and it's and they're pressuring the U.S. and in in a, in a recent U.N. meeting um majority of like so-called u.s aligned countries d- didn't vote no they just abstained. but now it's getting to the point where u.s allied countries don't want to touch that subject now because they do rely on u.s for money so i'm not sure um what are your takes on on this recent u.n meeting so well security meeting on north stream pipeline explosions
0: Yeah, I think the U.S. was trying to be really hush about the situation, unfortunately, you know, and and then that article came out and that just kind of like forced them, it forced their hand to try to say something. You notice not too long after that article came out, then they came out with a piece that basically said that, oh, it was sabotaged by Ukraine or something like that. Mm -hmm. Like It's just... It's just crazy, ridiculous. I'm going to try to see if I can get Seymour Hirsch on. Um, I have to see if I can find like contact info for him. I wasn't successful the first time, so I'll try to see. I'll try to check again. Um, because this is someone who is like a notable journalist. This is not someone who mm-hmm. just became a journalist yesterday. I mean, he revealed information about Vietnam. Uh he revealed information about Richard Nixon. Like Seymour Hirsch goes way back. And they will try to discredit any journalist that reveals the truth. It doesn't matter how much experience that they have.
12: Correct. Yes. And um and the more I'm I listen to other people. Um, earlier in the queue, the more I'm, like, just very anxious as well. Like, I'm kind of getting more into my journalistic side because I've like, I haven't, like, my my background isn't fully journalism. It's religious studies. I mean, it's Germanic studies emphasis in religion um, rhetoric um, and religious rhetoric and migration. But I did have to take basic journalistic um, courses. And... I'm, 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 I'm testing the waters out. And first it is this Don, the Steven Donziger interview and what people hear saying about the IRS and what happened, you know, with Matt Taby and Kim Iverson is making me anxious. And it's like, I'm, I, th- I still want to do it, <laughs> but like, yeah, it's kind of scary out there.
0: <laughs> well, when Matt came on, he like, he's <laughs> known that have been killed. You know, like, that again? this is not, it, this is not like a a game. I mean, there are journalists that have lost their lives trying to report certain stories. Um, there are journalists that have, There are also journalists like, oh, I guess I should call him a journalist, but like Anderson Cooper, who tries to say he was in places that he wasn't in. Same thing with Brian uh, Wilson, try to say he was in places that he wasn't in that kind of thing and it's really disheartening to see people make up those lies when there are journalists that have actually lost their lives covering certain stories.
12: Yeah, even um like um, like uh what's her name? Oh, it like I forget uh, it, it it's it's um Serena there you go. She she literally got killed and yet and yet the uh, the US under Anthony Blinken they're not giving an extensive like, answer or like, 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 basically, they're not wanting to say, hey, the Israelis did kill Shireen Abouakle. But like, Secretary Blinken is not saying that. And he's still very hush on that. And so, you know, that is very sad, too.
0: I don't even know why people honestly still trust the US government when it comes to war, per se. Because any of us that were around for the Iraq war, we remember Eyes that hold, and then they had to finally admit that there
12: were,
0: and that there were no weapons of mass destruction. And so my whole thing is that: why are people so willing to trust the U.S. government now, in reference to this conflict in Russia and Ukraine, in in reference to China, in reference to any other country? To be honest with you, considering the lies that they sold the American people about the Iraq War, and that's one thing that is just. It's unsettling for me, and I just can't understand it. How people can just be brainwashed again and not question? It's okay to ask questions, and I think
10: mm-hmm.
0: when Nick says, uh, "Nick, my comrade from RBN," when Nick says the American people are the most propagandized people in the world, that is a hundred percent true. Because other, you talk to people in other countries, they question what their government's doing. France, right now the French people Mm -hmm. are questioning what president Macron is doing right there. The people in Haiti are questioning what Andre is doing. Like the people in Sri Lanka, they question what the prime minister was doing. That's why they stormed his house and drove him out. Like people in other countries, they are more willing to question it. But when it comes to the U S the people here are just heavily propagandized and brainwashed and they just believe what is happening Mm -hmm. And then for the, the the few Americans who do start to question, those people are smeared as Putin puppets or uh communists. Some of these people aren't even communists and they're smeared as communists. there's They're smeared as China sympathizers, like all these kind of things. Like, look at the people who came out against the mandates and they had every right to be questionable about a vaccine that was just, you know, made very quickly to give the American people comfort. And- Exactly. Considering the fact that we've had medicine question in this country before, and it has turned out years later that it was a problem. Now I've seen this more so as a female, I've seen this more so with birth control. There's been a number of times in this country where birth control was new. There were new forms of birth control and years later they were recalled. I remember if some of you may not remember this in the chat, but I remember when they came out with this birth, this birth control method called the patch. And I remember like some of my friends were like, oh, that would be so much better, so I don't have to worry about remembering to take the pill. Years later, what they had to do, they had medical lawsuits against the patch, they had to recall the patch. There was another one called NoraPlant, where they used to put, uh, they actually put the device in your arm and it stays in your arm for five years. Years later, what they do, if you experience these side effects, You could have a medical lawsuit against Norplant and had to recall that. And I still question some of these women that are going out, taking the IUD. I'm sorry. But when I look at how this is, you know, inserted like inside of your body and that it's anything that stays there for years, I kind of wonder like, is that safe? Is that healthy? So don't be surprised if something comes out years later about that. So why is it okay To question medicine in this country or vaccines in this country when it has been proven multiple times that we have had new forms of, whether it's birth control, et cetera, come out. And then years later, the FDA had to recall it. So why was it so different this time? Because the American people have been heavily propagandized that you had to get this vaccine because you didn't get this vaccine. You would not get COVID. And then it started to show that people who had the vaccine were still getting COVID and people who had the booster were still getting COVID. So then Fauci had to come back and retract and say, well, it doesn't prevent you from getting it, but it will make your symptoms less. And then you hear reports of people like Jesse Jackson get hospitalized after getting all of the shots and he still was in the hospital. So that's the thing. It's experimental. I had to listen to female friends of mine tell me that they started to have menstrual problems after they got the vaccine. These things are not one-offs. I had two friends that I know, and one of them used to be a part of RBN. That was Meg. Meg has been very public about this, that after they got the vaccine, they had to be rushed to the ER because they had an elevated heart rate and their heart rate wouldn't slow back down to a normal beat. But when people come forward and tell these stories, they're seen as conspiracy theorists. They're seen as, or they're smeared as right wing. And it's just, this is absolutely ridiculous. How did medicine become a left right wing thing? So this is why we have to wake up in this country. We really do. The fact that we have allowed mainstream media to convince us that a vaccine is a left right thing. That if you oppose taking it, then you are right wing where did that even fucking come from
12: exactly it, it, it for me like, for me, like it, i thought i was going crazy before the pandemic even though i do have my mental health issues and um because i i i obsess a lot um i have po um i have uh I have pure ocd which is like a like an obsessive compulsive form i mean it's an it's a purely obsessional subtype of OCD where people were like, my compulsions are just mental, they're not physical compulsions, which I wish I had. So I always had this health, health scare all the time when I was a child. And um, with the, with the, with, you know, when we were in the height of the pandemic, I re- I really thought I was going to like, you know, freaking lose it. Let, or have like a psychotic break or something because I was so fearful but when we started to see people outside being a bit more authoritarian like authoritarian uh, meaning you know people in congress going after people that are questioning that made me like okay then I'm not crazy but I just felt so bad for people that were smeared and specifically trump voters like and that 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 wouldn't take the vaccine, and even going as further as Anderson Cooper, I remember him saying it with the height, like in the height of the pandemic, on CNN, to one dumbass person, "Hey, if people are not vaccinated, could we freeze their financial assets?" And I was like, "Yo, Anderson, that is that is that is way off topic. I mean, I'm I mean that is so out of pocket, and it made me like sick to my stomach." Um and you that's know that's
0: authoritarian bullshit yeah. that's actually and this is why
12: then this is why I love Kim, um I love Kim Iverson like in I am pro life cuz I, I want people to live but I'm pro life even outside of abortion abortion is not the main thing for me to be pro life you know I want people to get vaccinated cuz I want people to live and if that is their choice not to get vaccinated, okay, sure, I'm 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 not even in their effing lives to begin with. Why does the government have to be in their effing lives to force them to get this freaking vaccine if they don't want to? Like, it's the same thing with, sure, it's the same thing with abortion. Why do we have so many laws to prevent women to have abortion or not just women, but trans men or intersex men and, and, and intersex women? You know, why do we have to have authoritarian laws place on people that give birth not wanting to like or just just take it to abortion it was the same thing for me like you don't own these people's bodies stop effing with them and stop shaming them like leave them alone and that made me more sane like every time I heard Kim Iverson talk about COVID I'm like yes I'm getting real information and Bobby Kennedy Jr. which I, which he did say he he's looking, he's thinking of running, so he might be running, Bobby Kennedy Jr., um, he might be running for 2024, so not only do the left have to think about Marianne Williamson, but they also have to think about a possible Bobby Kennedy Jr. run, because he, he did have a speech in New Hampshire, um, I think it's Amherst College somewhere, but um,
0: yeah, I'm gonna try and to so, get him. I'm gonna try to get him on because he's another one. Though I can guarantee you, they're gonna already try to smear him on the left because he was against and the They backs did, meetings. yeah,
12: yeah, and they did. And so for me, I'm like, I, w- I thought I was, I was gonna go crazy with the height of the pandemic, but all, but with the government showing me, I'm like, I think I'm, I think I'm the sane one and getting my information from Kim Iverson and and then you know finding out that what you guys said that she you know re- like recently like she was almost like going to get like house invaded it 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 is you know I'm 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 scared for her and i almost scared for myself because like I said like I do want to interview Steven Donsinger and I just don't want the government to come after me if I spew like some truths out there which for some reason these are genuine truth that everyone should listen i mean that everyone should yeah should should listen and still have questions but for some reason obviously our um the um, the american system is so propagandized that you know a simple ass question about like oh the sky is the sky is blue no actually the sky is like dark and then for some reason someone gets mad at you because you didn't say the sky is fucking blue like mm-hmm. that thing you know Honestly,
0: the left really let mandates like break people's brains because like I watched the left slowly over time become divided over the vax mandates to the point that it was like ridiculous. All of a sudden it was like cancel Jimmy Dore, cancel Max Blumenthal, like cancel all these people who are questioning the vax mandates. And to me, it was just like we're not supposed to question medicine. That was just yeah. quickly rolled out very quickly. Uh, don't even come at me with all these other vaccines and say, what about the MMR vaccine? You know, what about what about the measles vaccine? What about those kind of things? And I'm like, those vaccines have been around for years. This mm-hmm. was rolled out very quickly. You don't know what the hell is in the shit. Like, let's just be real. And I'm supposed to believe that this is going to prevent me from getting it. A- and that's why when people who were who were vaxxed started getting uh, COVID and even at my job, man, I was so glad when I left BU, because even at my job, people were so fucking propagandized, like, make sure you get your booster, make sure you and like we had to get it. I didn't even have a choice, but I'll mm-hmm. tell you this much. I never in my life had a vaccine made me feel the way that I felt after I got the COVID vaccine. And mm-hmm. I did not get the Moderna. My doctor told me not to get the Moderna because she said people getting the Moderna had the worst symptoms. So I got the Pfizer one and I went and got the shot. By the time I got home, I never felt that tired before in my life. Like I literally slept for hours, hours, woke up, ate dinner, and went right back to sleep. Like I'm like, this don't feel right. Like, a vaccine should not make me feel, like, this tired. Like, that was not normal. Same thing for my husband. And, like, he's one of those people that rarely get sick. He had to end up getting the Johnson & Johnson one. He slept for, like, almost an entire day. And you know what? He still got COVID. A couple months later, he got COVID. The weird thing is, and I never talked about this on YouTube because they be pulling shit when you start talking about the vaccine. Especially if you're a smaller channel. Jimmy can get away with it. He had a larger audience. But for me, if I start talking about it, they start pulling shit. But um, he got COVID, was vaxxed. Weirdly enough, I never got it. And that, to me, I never understood. Because obviously, we live in the same space. Obviously, we sleep in the same room. We sleep in the same... We slept in the same bed. And he was sick and like i did not get it and that really made me start to wonder i'm like okay do we really need to lock down the whole state like how is it we're in the same freaking space and he had it and i never got it
12: Mm -hmm. um i'm gonna i have to leave within like five minutes but um what i do wanted to say is that um tying it to like the Going back to European news, because I am German, also, um, I'm, I'm a European-American. Like, the French people are questioning. The German people, as well, they're being silenced to a lesser degree. Um, but there are a lot, in terms of numbers, overall, Germans are still questioning who the fuck attacked Nord Stream. Who the fuck attacked our... Our access to energy, to heat, and the what I'm seeing is that is going to happen first in Europe. Something big is going to happen in in Europe first, and then America is going to get it. So maybe it's time. I mean, use this time to study what us Europeans are doing in Europe to see that hopefully nothing as bad happens in the u.s and then when you guys are ready then you guys can go out out like out on the streets or something or don't wait but like right now something massive is happening in europe and it's gonna come to the u.s i'm not sure when but it's gonna happen in the u.s because it trickles down um (laughs) but yes the germans are being silenced smaller but But us Germans are a bit more intelligent because, you know, we do have universal education. So, sorry, not sorry. But that is also part of the problem for you guys. Since you guys don't have education as a right, or you guys did have it, but, you know, your own government wants you guys to be stupid. If you guys, you know, if the system went back to having everyone not have so much tuition to go to school and educate themselves or just to be educated... All of this could could have been solved, but um, yeah. Um, quick, what, what are quick your
3: question, Reuben? Right? Before you yes. go, do you think that um EU will be able to survive long term?
9: It is,
12: it is a. What's going on with Ukraine is pretty much making everyone in Europe question everything, even um, Georgia Maloney. Her, um, the people that voted her in are now starting to questioning her. So Ukraine is a whole mess in a good way and in a bad way because everyone trades in Ukraine. Everyone, even, even countries in South America and Central America. Hence why Ecuador said whatever happened to Nord Stream, it's affecting us too. That's why people in Mozambique also said whatever's happening or like whatever happened to Nord Stream, it's effing us too. Um, Europe is going to go through something. I'm not sure what it is, but right now it's very tumultuous in Europe. It's going to come to the U.S. The, the, the EU is very fragile right now. I don't know why it's, why it's fragile. Us Europeans are scared, rightfully so. But we do see hope at the end of the tunnel because we can still fall back on the resources that our governments gave us when we were born. So at least we have a safety net here, in, like in Europe. But you know, I live in the US. But Americans don't have that safety net, which That's right. It's gonna be tougher for you guys to fall back on something. You guys basically aren't gonna fall back on, on 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 the dirt, sadly. Whereas we Europeans, when when all of this is said and done, we still have our universal healthcare, we still have our education to fall back on. Whereas in the U.S., which this is why I'm so sad and anger and I feel for you guys, if and when something something revolutionary happens in the U.S., at the end of the day, you guys are going to fall back on dirt. And that's very sad because your own government, my own government too, because I am American as well, chose to make us dumb, make Americans look dumb by choice because the baby boomers questioned the Vietnam war to the extent of exposing a lot of things. And that's what Europeans liked about Americans and Europeans took that student movement and made it it their own. That's why in Europe, in healthcare and education are like put into like a higher pedestal. That's because we, because Europeans in the sixties saw what Americans did, so it's a give and take situation. But for some reason, Europeans are giving Americans what a revolution is, but, Ameri- but Americans not receiving it correctly. And I'm, I, I, I fear for you guys, Tbh.
0: Thank you so much for that, Ruben. Uh, thank you so much for calling in. I'm going to go ahead and bring in uh, Brady. And then I'm going to end with, uh, Rudy. So we'll wrap up soon. Go ahead, Brady. You just got to unmute. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm not too happy with Germany. Um,
5: Hey, microphone check. I apologize. I'm in a bit of a open mic right now. You know how I do. Um, but yeah, man, I'm just like kind of caught off guard. I just got off stage. Sorry. All right. I'm in a quiet place now. That should, that should be better, right?
0: Brady's Um, rocking out. He's at a concert.
5: Yeah, I was just rocking out. I got my violin with me right now. And so there was just a couple things I was going to bring up. One was that, you know, a friend of mine here on Call-In who had some really cool science shows that I was into and whatnot, uh, had a wife pass away, and then he got in an argument with someone on Call-In. Someone on Call-In filed an FBI report on him because he suspected him of murdering his wife without even taking the time to take the due diligence to ask like the, the correct follow-up questions and really, you know, he was basically swatting this guy. And um, I just like to warn everyone that we are so much closer to Nazi America than we'd like to imagine. And there's an individual I'd like to reference to you again uh, called For Sale. Does a fantastic job exposing Cambridge Analytica and Emmer data and the role they play, not only in getting Donald Trump elected, but, uh, securing uh, I guess consent for the Ukrainian war and uh, the other thing I was gonna bring up is that every time someone mentions Marianne Williamson's name, I kill a puppy so I I, <laughs> 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 I just highly recommend that in, instead of focusing on the bad players and the bad narratives we, we find new player new players, new narratives. And uh, I was just telling Kitty Halper earlier that the best way to defeat bad propaganda is better propaganda. And uh, so I would encourage anyone to run for president or anything at all. And then we'll just start taking you seriously. and We'll write you in instead of one of these appointed sanctioned uh, choices that have been presented to us through the Cambridge Analytica mental model they've predicted for America to keep us divided and whatnot. It's, it's, it's madness, but are you, how, how up to date are you with Cambridge Analytica and Emerdata and what's going on right now?
0: I mean, I remember Cambridge Analytica a couple years ago um, when they, in reference to the election information, I, I do remember that like that whole story. Weren't, and then, um, weren't they uh, the Matt's ones
3: getting the information to... from Facebook? Yep. Yep.
5: Exactly. And they were using uh, predictive uh, modeling to use that information to target black voters and encourage them to not vote. They were targeting them specifically with political ads that would discourage someone from voting um, based on like highly advanced psychological operations, you know. And then in the southern region, in Donald Worshipper territory, of course, they were uh, blasting people with propaganda that would encourage them to vote. Um, and not only vote but become more politically active. And they're using the same uh, techniques with the Ukrainian war now. And this is all Margaret Hincher's uh, sorry, Margaret Thatcher's henchmen uh, over in the British Empire who are kind of in charge of this. And Cambridge Analytica dissolved and regrouped under a company named EmmerData. And they're primed to do it again in the next election. And so when people ask themselves the question, why are we so divided? Well, what's going on? It's a couple things. It's, it's, you know, thousands of year old religions that are dividing people. And then there's modern day um, techniques like Emmerdata and Cambridge Analytica. And I think uh, that'd be a really good place to look for bad guys and kind of shake them out. And I would encourage people, like I said, uh, the best way to counter these people is to actually run for something, Um, uh, do anything, really uh, start a new narrative and promote better narratives instead of focusing on what the bad people are doing. Let's, Let's look for people who are actually doing something worthwhile and promote that and platform that instead of worrying trying to get these people to act right because it's not going to happen with, outside of a psychedelic renaissance which i would offer is probably a healthier more sustainable less violent alternative to a political revolution and i think much more welcomed by everyone would be a psychedelic renaissance
0: yeah so um united for uh, east palestine is going to be coming on uh, thursday evening um, so I think that'll be uh positive for everyone. Um, they're going to talk about what they're doing to help people in East Palestine, Ohio, and they, they've been on a number of shows already, so they're going to be coming on. And then, um, I thought I had someone else coming on to talk about something. Shit, I forget. Yeah, oh, yeah. there's, there's a healthcare. healthcare organization should be coming on soon, uh, to talk about uh, a new initiative that's coming up as well. Go ahead, Roger.
6: Oh, I just wanted to say, um, wow! I didn't know that's why we haven't seen Killjoy. Wait, is that her name? Right, Meg? For oh, a while, wow. that—that that was something else.
0: Well, that's not um, why you haven't seen her. Um, well, she announced that you know she was going to take a break from all of the podcasting stuff to focus on her health. So, yeah.
6: Yeah. Um. Oh, you know what, that Jeffrey. Epstein thing reminded me of I'm going to take you back back in time do you remember the Charlie Sheen scandal with Heidi Fleiss and yes. the Black Book I remember that that's what that reminded me of every time I um...
5: how about hey, Kevin I- Spacey what about Kevin Spacey he's involved in that network uh, highly involved in that network as well as fact in Bill Clinton's success. Uh, uh, his, his, it was his uh, speech after he won the election. He shouted out Kevin Spacey and pointed at him. And it's a really, it didn't.
6: Okay. So also um, just to, just to, um, what's his name? Uh, yeah. Rubin said that we don't have a right to an education in this country. Actually we do, but we don't at the same time. It's written in, you can check it yourself but I haven't checked everyone, but it is written into every state constitution. It's just not in the U.S. Constitution. So, you know, a little tidbit there.
5: Um, and, yeah, the education that we get, even if we get an education in this country, it's so watered down. It's, it's, it's less than a real education. They, they give a degree to anyone who pays for it these days, honestly. And that's what it is. It's just well, a paywall. I think, well, I think
6: it's, it's an arbitrary
5: paywall. paywall. It's not right. a real I think, education.
6: I think he was talking and... about. Oh, oh, oh let me finish. Right, let me finish. Right? So, I think he was talking about K through twelve. But anyway, um, also, when you was talking about the authoritarian stuff, right, is um, what do you call it? Uh, 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 uh. Yeah, that's what our governor did. She she forced um everyone to at least people who were um especially who worked in the government. She forced everyone to take these vaccines. And and a lot of healthcare workers left and then like a year later, she comes, turns around and says, we need to rebuild our healthcare force, you know, and, and, and no one. And someone suggested, hey, why don't you hire back all those people you fired? And she's like, oh, no, we can't do that. And, you know, this, this is this is the reason why, you know, she she barely won her um, election. You know, just this past November, you know, she won 53 to 47 percent in in New York state that that considered terrible for for a Democrat. She got so desperate. She came to Brooklyn and she got like Bill Clinton. She got the Clintons to help her. I think Joe Biden was within Brooklyn, either him or Obama. She 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 I mean, you got to bring that many people to, to, to uh, a state like New York. To make sure you could beat the Republican, that's how terrible she is, you know. Because usually, usually, like Chuck and Cuomo was one by like 60 something percent, or whatever the case is. But um, so another know, thing
5: I'm, we could do to get past these people who won't act right is something called community credit, which is a way of utilizing Bitcoin and or blockchain technology. I'm sorry, not Bitcoin, but blockchain technology to create a real stable currency uh, locally and in a decentralized way. And that is something that's heavily um, explored in James Corbett's Solutions Watch reports that I recommend to everyone as well. But it's a really good alternative to like a national bank even is just, or even like a postal bank, uh, is utilizing this new technology to create decentralized local currencies that um, are actually hugely beneficial to the local economies and whatever groups you want to make them for but um something called a community credit is something worth looking but you
6: know
0: said, the- thank you so much brady i want to go ahead and bring in uh rudy and then i'm going to wrap up what's going on rudy
14: hey savvy. how you doing
0: doing great how are you
14: yeah good good uh glad to be on the show hey noel how you doing i'm a big fan Hola. <laughs> hey, um, yeah, and hey, everybody else. Um, I, you know, I, I wanted to call in to say that, you know, if I had money, if I had money right now and I had time, I'd be going to France. Because there's something about being in those protests it gets you like wanting to come back and then doing something so if i don't know if we just had bill gates type of money we should just send a bunch of people out there just get them infected with whatever they got and then just bring them back here
0: i'll be honest with you rudy like sometimes I've, i've often wondered like maybe i was not supposed to move back to the u.s like maybe i was supposed to stay in europe or something like i don't know maybe i was supposed to stay in germany or maybe move to France or something like that like there's been oftentimes like before the pandemic i used to go to montreal at least once a year because it's mm. it's very close to me <laughs> like like we're pretty close to montreal um mm. but i used to go to montreal like at least once a year and I'd always like say to myself, like, man, like maybe I, I'm really not supposed to live in the United States. But then it's it would be, also be really hard to because like all my family obviously is here uh, with the exception of like two people that live in, in Thailand. But for the most part, yeah. like most of my family is here in the U.S. But I still wonder that sometimes, like maybe I should have stayed in Germany or like maybe I, I should have like moved to like Montreal or something like that. <laughs> like I just I feel like. People in other countries, I feel like they just have so much more willpower when it comes to fighting back against the system.
14: Mm. But I mean it's it's when you're it's when you're in it, right? When you're in it, it, it gets you. I was I was in France during the Gilets jaunes movement and I'm telling you, there's just some it's the best drug there is. I saw I saw this lady in a wheelchair as people will go and up and away from the crowd of gas, this lady was charging, and there was the person that was taking care of her. But she was charging at the cops. He get, gets people doing all kind of crazy shit. Um, so that's what I'm saying. Like this one weekend over there, and you come back, and you'd be like leading this charge against these, the, the you know, the criminals. Savvy? You gotta do it. You're gonna come back, and you're gonna be marine Antoinette or whoever. I don't know, <laughs> doing all kind of shit. <laughs>
0: it's just it's very different because like i don't know if people understand this but like i watched a movie last uh movie was that last night yeah it was last night i watched this movie on netflix it's in the um sag award nominee slash winner section on netflix and it's called passing and if you if you've seen it let me know at first i wasn't sure because i was like "Oh, it's gonna be in black and white i'm probably gonna fall asleep but it was actually pretty good and it was um uh, Tessa uh, uh, Tessa Thompson uh, starring in the movie. And it was about uh, Tessa Thompson uh, running into a friend of hers, I guess, from like high school years later. And it takes place like in the 1920s. So this like prohibition, et cetera, and the big jazz scene in Harlem, New York. And her, she realizes that her friend has, actu- has actually been passing as white. So that's why the movie is called Passing. Anywho, long story short, I won't give too much away because I want you guys to actually see the movie. I thought the movie was really good, but one of the things that came up in the movie was like Tessa Thompson's character, Irene, tells her husband at one point, maybe we should just move abroad to like France, or maybe we should just move to Europe and like leave this country. You gotta consider the time, right? So at that time period, a lot of like Black artists and musicians, it wasn't uncommon for them to move to places like France because Mm -hmm. they had a little bit more freedom over there like Josephine Baker did that, right? Mm -hmm. So that was something they were talking about. And it was something I thought about again. And I was just like, even years later, obviously Mm -hmm. I wasn't alive in 1920, but even years later, growing up in Europe and coming back to the US Mm-hmm. I definitely still saw the difference decades later. Mm. There is a difference. And this is not to say there isn't racism in other countries. Mm. There is. But I definitely felt like I could move a little more freely when I lived in Germany than when I came back to
14: the U.S., if that makes sense. Mm. Yeah, I, I can see that, right? So I was about to contest to what you were saying because so um, i was in you know southern france and you know there was a campaign by a group that was fighting against basically racism in clubs in you know in in the so they still have basically limits so how many black people that they would allow in a club in some spots right um i remember trying to go out and then you know like basically hitting that limit
5: um
14: I, i remember going to to a bookstore, and I'm basically being asked to check my bag, and then, you know, I was with my girlfriend and our, you know, our friend, and it was after I left, after we were leaving, I realized, wait, you guys also had bags. What, what happened? So there's, there is that, and then I, I got, it, almost got into a fight in Spain because some asshole. But the, so there's certainly that, but there's, there's definitely what you're saying, and I've met, you know, enough people that, um, sort of grew up in spaces where they weren't just thinking of black and white and that wasn't looming in front of you all the time and basically uh you know you you're always sort of dealt you always pose the battle right that you can either avoid and then that still sort of nags at you or you can like you know talk to you can fight every idiot that tries to offend you out there and you know that's a waste of your time so yeah i, I feel you it's um it, it's, a, it's, it's a mess. But then the thing is, you're sort of awake to this shit, right? So then if you're in Europe, you're going to see the contradictions, right? You're going to see Africans being checked out of, at the bus. You're going to be seeing, oh, well, we have this um, this socialism that the guy, the previous guy was talking about. But like, it's built off of uranium from, I don't know where France gets uranium, but France doesn't make uranium. And then there's also, he makes oil, but France doesn't have oil. And then he has all kind of shit that he doesn't have. And then you wonder, where the fuck does this socialism come from? And, and you know, they're supposed to be all smart and shit, but still they're out here paying a lot more than we are, right? So, again, like, they, they the Europeans, they shit too, right? <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, like, it's, basically. it's, there's, mm-hmm.
0: I mean, racism is everywhere. I want to be very clear about mm-hmm. that. But I will say mm-hmm. that, like, I do see a difference when I compare it to the United States. Definitely,
14: um, definitely.
0: Especially when we talk about the class, the class issue. hmm look, look at how the yellow vests can all join
14: together in France and say,
0: fuck this shit, let's push back against the system. Look
14: well, at the that's context. what they were saying. There was, I was asking them, like, what it is that makes them do that? And they say, well, they sort of don't have the race thing as charged, right? So. Right. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's right, not- but,
0: but but it's more than that. Look at look at what mm-hmm. they're doing right now. And this isn't even the yellow vest this time. This time around, it's not the yellow vest. Mm-hmm. It's just all the workers, the workers, the people who the, the, the garbage, the garbage men, the teachers, everybody got together and said, fuck this system. You are not going to increase the retirement age. We're going to fight oh, back yeah. against you. It is day 10. Guys, they've been protesting for 10 oh, days.
14: It's
3: beautiful. And see, I think a part of the problem, not the problem, but a part of the issue is when you compare the United States to Europe, is mm-hmm. Europe was more involved in colonization. Mm-hmm. So they went to Africa and they were extracting, you know, minerals and resources out of Africa, but they were leaving the Africans in Africa to a certain extent. So their European societies were based on the emergence of uh, feudalism and this, that, and a third. But in terms of race, there was not the big diversity through that. So as those societies developed, they were able to develop with a more clear demarcation along the lines of class. It didn't have to do necessarily with color but when you look at the united states it the whole social structure was ordered around race as a means of implementing class so you know that created the stratification here that's why when you come here the racial thing is so deeply ingrained into the american culture Whereas when you go to Europe, it's not the same thing because those societies develop differently. But Absolutely. America was grounded in race. It was a strict difference between black Africanized slaves, the poor working class whites, and the elite. And that Ooh. has been with us from then to this day. You know, at a certain point, race was class. <laughs> and to a certain extent, It is still that way in today's American society because the descendants of slaves are still the very bottom of the social register. Whereas in Europe, there are different dynamics, you know, but the big thing is class, which is why around class-based issues so readily without regard to some problems with race as people came out of africa fleeing oppression trying to immigrate to these places then we see you know more racial stuff happening mm-hmm. that is what we went through mm-hmm. in the 60s but those societies in and of themselves were not just out of race like this one was yes yes that's a I, I that's a gonna... good
0: point to, to mention wow. Noelle, the fact that they didn't have to deal with the race issue for the most part but i will also say The fact that you had people like Langston Hughes and like Josephine Baker, who, this is going all the way back to like the 1920s, 1930s, who moved to France and felt that they,
14: huh? Baldwin did it as well. That's right. Who moved to
0: France and felt more comfortable and more free as Black people during that time Mm -hmm. than they did in the United States. Because back then, because that was the thing, like even in France during that time, like they didn't have the laws that we had in the United States. There there were no Jim Crow laws because the majority of the population wasn't black to begin with anyway.
7: Mm.
0: So to that point, like Noel said that like they didn't really have to focus on those issues so much. So they can focus
3: on the class thing. When you went to those places like Josephine Baker and The early and Langston Hughes and people who went in the early years, you were a novelty. You were exotic because you were cultured differently than anything they had experienced in terms of coming out of Africa, you know, in that sense. Mm -hmm. And so you came and your talent was celebrated and you were given an opportunity. And they all talk about the feeling of freedom, because here no matter what talent you had, no matter what you could do, Black was first. And they were able to manipulate you and use you and exploit you based on race first, whether you were talented or not. You know? So you go to Europe and you're seen as something new and exciting and, you know, it was just a whole different society. I
14: was I was going to say, you know, this that's the complicated thing to get into but then you Noel, know, you broke it down super well it is that europe was able to develop you know in a clear way in a in a in a class in in the sense of without you know the race um way and then you got after that we got sort of the mix but in the united states we had a a different trajectory that's yeah uh, and you, beautiful that was that was excellent um yeah, so I, I definitely agree, with Savi, That there's there's that there's that space, and I think um, that's what uh, Noah was talking about as well. Um, but there's definitely still, and it, but the, the Europeans are also very ignorant as well. You know, um, Savvy. I, I don't know if you know anything about this, right? But I, I and I I didn't know that the Germans were still that big in Namibia. I thought that they sort of left because when you you think about the Germans, well, they kept to Europe, supposedly. But then they had their first genocide, I think, in Namibia before they practiced it on white people. And so so I was just watching an Instagram thing. Um, There's a guy on um, Instagram called sort of the the giant African beast or something. And supposedly Instagram is just like uh, blocking all of these shit. And he's always like revealing some stuff about Africa. And so this video was like, was saying that some um, the Germans make up some six percent of uh, uh, Namibia, but then they control some mass of like six forty to sixty percent of the GDP. Like I didn't know the shit, but you know, being that you're German and all that, maybe well, you at least you know did the German thing. maybe, maybe you might know something.
0: Um, well, I'm not German. I'm American, but I, I grew right, up right. there. But um, I will say um, that doesn't surprise me. I mean, there's also a significant German population in
14: Brazil. Oh, yeah. They, and then they do some fucked up stuff in Latin America. There's one story about like, I can't remember where it is exactly, but then they had a little colony out there and then they were just doing all kind of freaky stuff. <laughs> um, it's, it's yeah, it's something But I appreciate you guys. I don't want to hold you guys up too long. Uh, It was a pleasure. Roger, I didn't hear you say anything. So please add something before I go.
6: Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, the best um, to add on to it, if you want to have that happen with people going to these other countries, that's the reason why I say um, the best people to send are the high schoolers to study abroad for free. You know, college, you know, study college abroad for free because while they're out there, they also experience what it's like to have free health care, better internet services, free internet services, and all that other stuff. So, let's say they come back, if they do come back, they'll be more primed, you know, there'll be a whole bunch of them. And I mean, they're already changing stuff as it is without even going over there. They're talking about a more ergonomically friendly work environment. And they haven't even tasted what it's like in these other countries. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. So already, they're already changing the work culture and, and, the, and, the, uh, and you could thank the lockdowns for that. You know what I mean? Once they said, once the government said oh, our essential workers, workers stood up and said, oh, we're essential? You admitted it now? You can't do without us? Okay. We're going to yeah. start with living- lower yeah
9: i
0: will say like um i i highly recommend like if you have the opportunity to do so to like go live abroad like i i really highly recommend and like i would heavily encourage like high school seniors to do that and not just think that they have to stay here if you have the means to go to college in this country especially financially if you don't have to you know take out financial aid then you have the means to go to school abroad for free And And check out Asia. Exactly. Like, there's so many other places. Like, listen, you know, the world is not not just the United States. There's so many other places that you can go to and you can see and you can learn about the culture. and And in doing so, you learn more about yourself. And what I want, like, young people to understand is that you don't have to stay in this country. You really don't. If you have the means, to, a ticket to get out of this motherfucker, take that that opportunity, even if it's just for a short period. And here's the thing. If you go to another country and you don't like it, you can always come back home. But my my hope for everyone is for them to get the opportunity to just travel outside of this country. Like, even if it's just like going like to Montreal, like going to Canada or something like that, or going to Mexico, like, go see how other people live, so that you can have a different experience. That's that's really like my goal for people, like especially young people, like I don't want them to think, got to stay here, got to go to college here. No, you don't. They,
14: they, they got to they gotta go to France right now. I, I'm telling you, being in these protests, being in the process of thousands of, I mean, I, I got—I—I I, I don't have to tell it to some people because you guys were here during the George Floyd protest. But then, you know, it's—I don't think—I don't think it's necessarily that the uh, individual French people are special. I think it's just like, you know, when when you're surrounded by that shit. You, you get up every day and then it's because you feel it. You feel like you're actually doing something. Like literally it becomes like tangible, the shit they, they were talking about all the time. You actually feel that you have an impact on the government because you are thousands of people and Macron has to come out every day and lie to your face. And then you go out there and then make him take it back. And then he takes it back. And then you tell him, oh, so this whole time you actually, you could take it back? It was just a not, you just were fucking with us. And then you get more mad. And then he has, it's a, the bat. it's, I mean, uh, again, the, the thing is, they're, they're pushing everybody, right? They're pushing everybody everywhere. And um, labor, uh, workers are, are struggling. We're sort of... Uh, it's it's again it's we're sort of on a knife's edge kind of thing we where it seems like we have the least amount of power ever but at the same time potentially we have like we're we're so connected it's and they're pushing us and at this point we're sort of cornered right so macron this was a very very massive thing he did everybody hated him from the beginning there's videos of him just a few years ago just saying how horrible this idea he's pushed is and how anybody that's pushing it is a giant hypocrite and all of this shit There's literally was seeing it and he's done it to the you know one of the sort of most awoke, awoke sort of populations in the world kind of thing and it, it it basically goes. It's something that we're living right now as well. Joe Biden just spitting in our face. He's lying to our face. He told us he was gonna run one time. He's doing it. Like they're pushing us. And I, I, I don't know if we if we had the money. I say we just go to France. We get infected with this fucking thing of like radicalism. We come back over here. We just fucking just go into the street and. I mean, at this point, we we all know what we gotta do. We just need Savvy to go to France. We need Roger, and then of course you gotta take Noel. Noel, uh, but I I, I love a. you guys.
0: Francais. listen. <laughs> one of the reasons why I love going to Montreal so much is because it's the closest to France I can get in North America, and oh. I can go to Montreal and I can still get poutine.
10: <laughs> <What>? <laughs> I can still
0: hear people speak French 24-7 because in Montreal, they have to learn both. They have to learn uh, French and English. I can hear all that shit. And still walk, up, walk still walk upon the cobblestone streets and have people yell at me as I have on a Bruin jersey and tell me that the Bruins suck as they walk by with their <laughs> Canadian's jersey on. It's oh. it, It's beautiful. <laughs>
6: uh there was something speaking of uh since since the word was Haiti in France today um i forgot to mention something that i saw. now maybe you already know this already i didn't know it until chuck d from public enemy put it up as a tweet but did you know that uh prize michelle is on trial for some type of conspiracy or something like that or donating and there's a straw donation during the obama campaign i
0: heard i heard about it briefly
6: mm. yeah i read the article once and mm-hmm. hey, hey michelle the guy from uh the Fujis, in case everyone doesn't know what what the hell i'm talking about but uh yeah he was he was something you know some some charges that were brought up for him uh, oh I don't can know, you just, hear just me google it
0: Hey Jasmine, Hello, can you hear so I'm going to go ahead and finish up with, anything. I'm going to finish up with Jasmine and then I'm going to head out. What... Hello? Can Hello? you hear me? Can you hear me? Yeah, we can hear you. Yeah, we can hear you. Okay, because
15: I wasn't hearing anybody or anything. Um, so I just wanted to say that I left disappointed last week um, from calling a little bit, but I was very, very happy that you had someone from Haiti on your stream today to give you all the information about it. It was very, because I was, I learned some things too. Are you hearing me? I'm not hearing anything.
0: Yeah, I can hear. Yeah, I can hear. (laughs) Yeah.
15: Yeah. Because I was a little bit disappointed because, you know, I'm Jamaican. I'm not Haitian. I I heard somebody might have been throwing shade earlier at me um i'm actually jamaican i'm not haitian i'm canadian also so i've been to montreal a few times um but i
0: Uh uh-oh oh jasmine i think we lost you hello I think we lost you, Jasmine. I'm going to invite you to speak because sometimes that fix fixes that issue. Um, okay, so go ahead and mute yourself and then unmute and see if that fixes the problem. Yeah, go ahead and try to try to mute yourself and then unmute and see if that fixes the problem. I think you're still Oh, no, I don't know what happened to Jasmine. Noelle, I think you were going to say something. Go ahead while we wait for Jasmine.
3: I'm going to, hello? Yeah. Okay. I was just going to say, you know, I I wanted to let her know that there was nothing um, intentional. And, you know, I always feel bad when people say they feel bad. And I hope there wasn't anything that I said that contributed to that. Um, I think, you know, we got off into a rocky start, but we were actually all on the same page in terms of understanding that the U.S. has had a detrimental role in Haiti's evolution. We, we understand that and that we do understand. And there is a, there's a legitimate, legitimate claim. Are you hearing for, me? Yes. Go ahead.
15: Yes. So, yeah, it wasn't that I was it was it was a little bit disappointing in that, you know, because I always defend black Americans whenever I hear there's issues of reparations and that sort of thing. So when everybody was, you know, I'm just saying it's not about black American reparations, it's about another people who are currently being, you know, kept under um, so, but I'm really, really happy that you had somebody on, cause to me, cause I was a little bit disappointed. I'm like, like black Americans should have compassion as well, cause we should all, uh, over, across the diaspora, we should all have compassion for each other, for everything that we're going through. Oh,
0: thank you. Oh, thank you. You know what
15: I'm saying? I do. I do. I, 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 totally, I, I totally understand. understand.
0: Yeah. Alright, guys. Alright, guys. I'm going, I'm going to, going to uh, head, uh, head, out. head out. It's getting kind, it's of, getting of, kind of, of late. It's getting kind of late. I have a gym appointment.
3: Okay. Thank you. Yep. Alright, guys. Alright, guys. Good night. Good
9: night. Bye, Good night. Right, right. Don't let the bed bugs bite.